Lovers quarrel. It's a long sustained quarrel. What's going on, world? Hey, everybody. It's your guy, TJ, Mr. New Cool. It's your girl, Danny, your supremely stressed standard poodle. I thought that worked. How's that sound? That sounds amazing. <laughs> you hit four, four S's. Well, no, that poodle's definitely. I mean, sorry, you definitely did. Yeah, sorry. You know what I meant. Pay attention, sir. <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Lover's Quarrel. As always, if this is your first time listening, welcome. If, it's, if this is your second time listening, welcome back. And if this is your third or more time listening, you are now officially family. So, Or as CJ like to say, you are a lover. So, you know, hey, y'all, hey. And how are you, my good sir? I'm doing excellent in yourself, my love. Um, I'm actually pretty good. I mean, I did say I was super let me stressed, and that is because by the time this episode drops, we will be in the process of moving, really moving, like boxes, U-Hauls, and all that good shit to yeah. our new house. So moving with more things and more people, because now we have a kid, is you do have a kid. I'm confident going to stress me the fuck out. But I'm going to take it in stride. I'm going to do what I got to do. That's what's up. Um... And we have, this is actually a very special, interesting episode because this is a, at a first where <laughs> we have Uchechi back and she's basically, her interview and her time with us is now a two-part. So welcome to Uchechi part two. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for coming back. Thank you for having me. Of course. Like we had, we just didn't get enough of you and we needed to talk to you about more things. So we are truly grateful for you to be back on. Definitely. And I'm sure that this is a great opportunity now for people to maybe get something that they might have might have left them lingering or wanting more at the end of last week's episode. Oh, absolutely. I'm happy to be back. <laughs> so with that being said, we're going to go ahead and jump right on this elevator. Okay. Um, Let me I, start off or you got it? I'll go first this time. I'm going up. I'm going up with you, so. All right. So <clears throat> going up. That actually sounded really perfect. Thank you. I try. Yeah. You know, only 101 times of doing this, but... 102. It would be 103. 103, excuse me. Whatever. You know what I mean. Um, You've had some bad ones, though. But shut up. You're right. My fault. Uh, real simple, guys. Um, Sorry. Y'all, I, I mean, I sing its praises all the time on episodes of this show. And in general, if you talk to me, if it comes up. But therapy works wonders. And mm. I strongly recommend it for everyone, for yourself, for your marriage, for your family, for whatever, because yet again, it was just something that was a conversation topic amongst some friends of mine um, in the last couple of weeks. And I just feel like th- therapy is just the answer to like so many things because you have to unpack all the shit mm-hmm. and then you got to pack that shit back up nice and neat. So now you can like move forward and be a productive human being. And, you know, I love that I am living in a time as an adult in um in this world where therapy is becoming more and more everyday less taboo less of a like well what's wrong with you as opposed to like no like this is what you do the same way you go to the dentist twice a year the same way you go to the OBGYN and everything like that like this is about having somebody to check in with having a, a baseline of what your mental health is so that way if shit does go left now you at least have like a running log of like mm-hmm. hey this is where her head was at prior to um so yeah, I don't know. And I just like had a really good um, session. Uh, it'll be, I guess, two weeks ago when this episode drops. And um, my therapist was just kind of hitting the nail on the head with some stuff that like I didn't even realize was connected. I said something like, ingest. And 
she was like, actually, that probably makes a lot of sense of why X, Y, Z is happening. And then I'm just looking at her like, you know what? You motherfucking right. How do I fix this? Thank you, please. And so just kind of talking through it. And so I just want to sing its praises and encourage everyone to go because it might feel awkward. It might feel weird at first. But ultimately, when you find the right person to speak with, it is truly therapeutic for lack of a better term so oh, definitely no it absolutely is i always tell people like go to therapy you have issues with the family go to therapy you have issues with your baby mama take your baby mama and go to therapy or baby daddy and go, take, go to therapy and people always think that's funny but i'm like no i'm actually dead serious like mm-hmm. if you are co-parenting go to therapy with your co-parent yeah um but you didn't send your kids to therapy if they going through something take, you know and if they're older take them with you because you're because we're all working through we're all working through shit that we never thought um, would be an issue. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us, then they, there's a lot of things that happen in our lives that we didn't think would be a problem or we never saw it as a problem until we got older. And it's just like we don't have the tools to like figure it out. So somebody has tools. So Listen, yes. No, keep, I definitely agree. Keep them in business. Right. I think, it's great that we're, <laughs> I think it's great that we're, our generation is kind of, the ones who's bending that, mm-hmm. making it okay, you know? Yeah. Because if anyone ever said they had a therapist or anything like that, it was kind of like, what's wrong with you? Like, that wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. But now it's kind of like becoming normal. Like, yeah, speak to somebody. It's okay to have someone to talk to. Like, it, it, it doesn't mean that you're bad. I mean, me and Danny, we went to, like, marriage counseling mm-hmm. early on in, in our marriage. And... I never looked at it as a negative, but I don't look at things as negative. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I can understand because I feel like we, me and Danny, seen someone that we know, and when they seen us, it was kind of like, oh shit! Like we were walking out, and they were walking in, and we were all like, hey, like, but but for me and Danny, it was just like, it is what it is, like whatever. Like we know why we're here, so who gives like yeah, exactly. But I can see how for other people, it's kind of like we can't tell people, or you know, and and. Honestly, that's kind of like, for me at least, why this show is so important. Mm-hmm. Because I get to express how me and Danny, like, people think that our relationship is like the most perfect. And it's like, no. There's I, work? There's work yeah. in it? Oh, it's nothing but work. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we say all the time. Like, a relationship isn't a job, but it's work. Yeah. Like, you have to work at it. We're perfect. Sorry, I was going to say we're perfect. We're not perfect. So, yeah, we had to go speak to someone to be able to figure out how to maneuver Mm-hmm. In our new in our new normal, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, I, I just think it's definitely important that people do the, take the steps to take care of yourself, mm-hmm. and you can't really care what others think and stuff like that because when you by yourself, those people aren't there. Right, and we all go to the doctor for physicals, for checkups, physical, and it's the same thing with mental health. Like we kind of assume that oh, something has to be wrong for you to go. Mm-hmm. I personally feel like if you're in a relationship. Especially if it's long term and you decided that you want to stay committed to this person, whether through marriage or just, you know, being together. You know, being together. I would I feel like once a month going to a therapist is like perfectly normal just to have a check in because everything can always look good, but you can be like, you know, I don't really like how you be snoring at night sometimes. <laughs> and I'm I think I'm used to it, but I still don't like it. And it's to say those are things that you say in front of the therapist. Or you could just simply say, I love the way that you do this and I don't tell you enough. Yeah. And you you get that opportunity at the therapist. And yeah. I think that or you know, in front of a counselor or whoever you go to. And I think that we should kind of normalize it the way that we normalize going to the doctor. You know, the, the physical doctor. Definitely. I agree with you. 100%. I, to, listen, if I could give a... Like, I wish I could be Oprah with that. Be like, you get a therapist and you get a therapist and you get a therapist. Because, 
Like, because I would I also agree with the saying, and this is what I like wrap up my elevator is um, I do agree with the state saying that it's kind of been floating around the social media s- sphere of um, the people who do go to therapy oftentimes go to therapy because of of the people in their lives who won't go to therapy. And I'm like, if that's not a motherfucking word, if that is not a word, because I know that there are things and people and, and circumstances in my life where I'm like, it's, you know, it's it's not because I don't love those people or whatever, but it's because of like their unwillingness to talk about it or address an issue or whatever that now I'm like racking my brain and I'm stressed out or I'm worried or I'm crying and now... I'm here in front of my therapist, like, bitch, the f- like, help exactly, me. <laughs> exactly. Like, what is wrong with me that there's some, I'm trying to tell them there's something wrong with them. So, yeah, that's my elevator talk. And you said you're continuing to go up? Yeah, I'm going to go up. So. Um, I mean, you kind of touched on it earlier. Um, <coughs> the thought Excuse of me. being able to move into our new house, I think that's going to be like, it's exciting. It's a new journey. Um, I mean, my goal. Has always been to like own a home. We we did that already. Even very young. You, even though you fought me, I that. did fight him on that because we were like twelve. I felt like we were very like we, we were, our, the house that we're 22. in now. We were like twenty three years old. Oh, wow, I was twenty two. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean it was young. Maryland, but still like it was like. So the story behind that is when my mother purchased this brownstone, mm-hmm. she purchased it in two thousand. It may have started, let's say nineteen ninety nine. But it took like four years for it to, to get built and everything. But my mother has always wanted to buy a house. So mm-hmm. once she bought the house and she kind of explained like, listen, you know, when I'm, when we lived in the, our apartment complex, when I get a raise, the building gets a raise. Yeah. So now with a mortgage, whatever, like when I get a raise, they don't get it. Like the mortgage is set. So you don't have to worry about that. But she explained like the, the pros, the cons and everything else. So... Even like when we were in college, I was kind of like, okay, I got to start thinking forward. So we got the first house. And that was just me and Danny and our dog. Mm-hmm. And now we're at a second house. And it's like, this is our forever home. And the thought of, you know, Tatum growing up different than me and Danny is like exciting. What area is the house on? So it's in, um, Mar- it's in Reisterstown, Maryland. Mm-hmm. It's close to... So still, Mills. still like Baltimore County. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, yeah. But for me, it's just like, and it's funny because I've always hated it. Like, my daughter's a Marylander. Like, oh, I mean, it's not, you know. It's not. I'm a part time PGA. <laughs> New York, it's like, you know, yeah. for me, I. But Her birth certificate came in the mail and it was like Towson, Maryland. Oh, you're like, yeah, it's like you're like I was like pout face a little bit because I'm well, like listen, RSA New York. You know, I try to get you to go to I try to get you to have the baby in New York. I mean, that's, that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> I get it. I get it. That, that wasn't realistic. That was gonna be my next question. I was like, why not just come up and have the baby? Oh, that, that'd have been too much work, too much everything. Yeah, I don't know those people. Um, <laughs> I feel you. But now it's like you know, with the idea, I'm like you know, so I didn't grow up in a house, but I ended. That kind of life mm-hmm. in a house. All, all Tatum will ever know is living in a house. Right. So f- for me, I- I'm hoping that her and her siblings, whenever she have any, mm-hmm. I gotta wait for you. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Slide that in there. I hope that they they think bigger than what I thought of. Right. You know, I just feel like with a different experience, you you can think differently. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm excited about that, and that's why I'm up because I feel like moving here. Into this brown zone, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, 
we own something. Yeah. Like, oh, the possibilities are different, you know? A lot of what I've done in, in my life has just been like, I'm going to say kind of like coasting. Like, I, I just lived. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I kind of got to see different things. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, my mother always took us away, my parents. That We always went away and stuff like that. But to see, okay, oh, my mother owns something. Like, we own property and stuff like that. Oh, so we can own stuff. And I think it's just a great thing for people to see. Like, we can do other things. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's it's not like explicit for, I feel like, African Americans or people of color. Yeah. Is, is that the right term? Yeah, sure. All right. But I think that that's important. I think, like, to put a kind of bow on what you said was, is that something that I try to show my students all the time, which is expose, exposing them to people who look like them in living lives or having occupations or or coming from where they come from, but showing that they like the end result of how they have overcome or how they have elevated themselves in one way, shape, or another because you don't the realm of what's possible is what you see. And right. so if you That's don't fair. if you don't see it in your family or somewhere else, then you dare to think that the, that it's not possible for mm-hmm. you. And so I do agree with that that even though this is a very stressful and exciting time that like ultimately we are doing something that is going to like our child, our and children, sure, um, will. What was that sure about? Never well, hold on, mind your business. So <laughs> they'll, they'll never, like, they'll never not know that like, there's like that. This is a possibility. This will be the normal for them. Yeah. So that, like, I think that says a lot. And you know, it's it's weird and it's funny sometimes because at the same time, I'm like, I'm 32 years old and I still sometimes like, I'm so not an adult. Like, who let me be a grown up? Who let me be somebody's mother? Absolutely. Like, like, I was just sitting here like, I don't know what the fuck is going on half the time. But yet here I am. And I'm like doing things and doing things well and doing things right. So I got to have a little bit more faith in what has gotten me thus far and how I'm how I'm doing and living life. So, um, But thank you for that, my good sir. You're welcome. Uchachi, is there anything in your spirit that you want to uh, talk about? And it doesn't have to go up as well. If you want to vent and complain about something, we can absolutely go back down. <sighs> Do I have anything? Um, I think I am gonna go up. Um, I think by the time this airs, it would have been um, the Grapevine would have had their first live show on their tour. Yes. Um, that's exciting. I haven't. Um, the, I did a live show for the Grapevine. They did it in um in collaboration with another group. Um, in two thousand sixteen, mm-hmm. and I was in such a different space. Um, and we're talking about uh, body positivity and body image and stuff like that. And that's yes. something that is like really um, near and dear to me because like, you know, personally I've experienced different things. You know, I was always called like the fat kid when I was growing up and then I lost. The, and then, you know, it's like you, <laughs> you, you think that, and the thing is, it's so funny because like, you know, the old, it wasn't that I was fat. I was just bigger than all the kids around mm-hmm. me. And then I get, I remember looking at pictures from high, like, and I didn't really take pictures in high school because I was always so self-conscious of how I looked at it. I remember in college that it was this one random picture that I like found from high school and at that time, I was at my biggest. And I was like, whatever made me think I was so big? And it was like people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I lost the weight, gained the weight, you know, all the just life the back experience, and forth, the yeah. back and forth. And like, you know, so getting an opportunity to talk, getting the opportunity to talk about that, talk about like, you know, um, talk about other people's experiences. I'm excited to see how that's going to, you know, um, what that looks like, especially in this day and age when I think we're starting to like be more aware of how 
the way we view people and the way that we talk about people um, impacts their lives. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, that is really yeah. cool. And this is such a big thing, like live shows and taking it and putting it in front of like live audiences. Right. It's like so intense. Like, we've, so we've done two, two live shows, one in Baltimore, one in New York, mm-hmm. and both of you. And also like very on brand for this episode thus far. It's been like exciting and super stressful, but ultimately like it's been a great yeah in the end and um i think that that's really cool that you're talking about like body positivity because i also was like like even me right now would have been like i'd bitch i'd be killed to be my weight in high school right now and you were like and, and there was a year in high school where i wore a gray hoodie like every day because i just didn't want to like sh- like i wanted to hide my body as much as humanly possible and you know it's still like a, an adjustment even with like the sur- weight loss surgery and having gained and lost weight, having a child and all these things and still just trying to like embrace your body and, you know, and all of the things that were like said or thrown at you when mm-hmm. you were a child because it comes up. So now sometimes like when I- I feel like, like that's tough for me. Why? So like when I went to Coppin's homecoming, a lot of people were like, oh my God, you look so great. And I get that compliment so much, but it makes me- Subconsciously say like, damn. So what were you thinking before? Yeah, like, like, um, like this nigga is fat. Like, yeah. I mean, I've looked at pictures and like, yeah, I was. Oh, I, yeah, me too. I was definitely bigger. I mean, you I've always been confident, it. so I, I don't yeah. think that. But it's like the attention that I get now is way different. Yeah, TJ gets hit on now. Yes, like, I do. <laughs> I do, and it's weird to me because it's just like. I I mean it's it's because it's like. Yeah, like, like me you talking to me. Like yeah, like that compliment was for me. Like where was this years ago? But I get it. But it just makes me feel like so before was I like was I considered ugly back then because I was bigger? Like I, I honestly, it it gives me a different look and understanding. Like people act like because you're bigger, you can't have an opinion or yeah. or you can't have a thought. Like, you need to just be satisfied with whatever just like someone just gives you. Just being allowed to exist. Like, yeah. you should just be satisfied with it. 100%. Them. Like, if somebody gives you attention, you should just be happy because because you're fat, you shouldn't have attention. Yeah. Or because you're quote-unquote ugly, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have... You can't be your own person. You don't deserve love. You, you don't deserve... Like, yeah, you don't deserve anything. Sexy, like, anything. If, if somebody wants to sleep with you, you need to be... Ex- Ecstatic, grateful, and it's just like that. No. Somebody would even look at you and want to see you without no. your clothes mm-hmm. on, and I'm like, I'm sorry, a hundred percent. Yeah, I had a, I had a, I agree with that all 100%. the way through because it's like, and I mean, even now, it's still, like, it's like, I mean, for me, I, I like, I, I always knew I wasn't like ugly, like you know, I was like, okay, like my face is cool, but I still was like so you weren't the amazingly insecure and uncomfortable in my own body and you know life happens and you go through stuff and like even though we've been together for so long but we've both always struggled with our weight and you know but then it's like okay well I know somebody who likes it that's what I always joke and say like I mean I got somebody who obviously Mm -hmm. is into me and I'm into him so you know who cares what anybody else says but we had a conversation one time on the show where I think I had said something like, you know, to the effect of like, it's still, as long as it's respectful, like, I'm still flattered if I am like approached or complimented or whatever. And it, even though it's not like you're going, I'm going out of my way for those things, it's appreciated. Like, as long as it's done in a respectful or tasteful manner, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, you don't realize that 
you you like it or you might like you're it's 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 a nice feeling to get and so you get it because it's so few and far between and like I, can, I must say like since I've lost 75 pounds it's been an upswing in that like and of course like with guys especially I feel like you know the days that you do like we think we look in the most hit like we I wouldn't talk to me and that's when they want to like say something to you I'm in the Target parking lot with like leggings and a hoodie on and my hair tied up and like I'm walking by and somebody's like oh you pretty and I'm like I'm still looking around like me. Like you're crazy. Exactly. I'm like, sir, I <laughs> like you're nuts. This, this is the <laughs> fifth time in about three weeks that I've worn this hoodie on. I'm like, I haven't washed it. It's like, what are you talking about? But you know, it's I think to to all of that point, body positivity is so important because you again, just like all the other childhood shit, you carry that stuff with you, you especially struggling with your weight. And learning how to love yourself at any size, and understanding that you are deserving, that you are worth it, that you you know, and you're not you are not just your worth is not tied into just to your, your body, your yeah. body, mm-hmm. because shit, man. If it was, I'd be like really like fucked up more. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, we just there's so much more in life than just like you know, and it's not even just like. It's just kind of accepting that bodies come in just so many different ways. There's it's so, just many, yeah, so right. many various ways that bodies come in, and we kind of have to shake ourselves from the idea that it's just one particular way a body is supposed to be. And like, if we don't have that particular body, I mean, granted, I'm a firm believer in doing what you want to do. So if you feel like you need to, um, I mean, whatever it is that like, whether you're healthy or unhealthy, you know, whatever makes, whatever you feel you know, is best for you is what I think people should always do and shouldn't be shamed for it mm-hmm. um, unless it's harming somebody else. That's what I've always felt. That's fair. Yeah. And there's somebody out there that likes it. Like, I, like and I mean, because I know it's always, it doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to be tied into like romantic relationships and finding someone, but ultimately like most people crave some form of partnership to some extent. But what's funny about it is I feel like there's a lot of guys who may like the unattractive or the big mm. person, but because of society, they they would rather not look. They, they don't want to be embarrassed, so they would rather make fun of that person. But behind closed doors, they love that person. Like mm-hmm. they're the nicest person. But mm-hmm. when their friends come by, so I think that's something that's also that we have to kind of change the narrative. Yeah, yeah, you have to change the narrative so that way people don't feel like they have to be ashamed or embarrassed by I mean, liking someone that's outside pregnant, of the phone. I always say that it, it gave me a, a better impression of women um, in the sense that even if you're not attractive to me, I find beauty in the fact that you can carry a child. Yeah, because that's no joke. And <laughs> even, no hoe at and, all. They ain't no hoe at all. And even for the women who, if they can't have a child or they don't want to have a child, the fact that women are, are built... And I'm, I know. Never negative. I know. The fact that they are built to be able to carry life, the fact that they can do that and a man can't do it, to me, that's be- that's beautiful. And again, even if you don't have kids, you're still, you still, I feel, I still feel like women have motherly instincts. And if they're put into a situation, they can still be a mother in, in some case. Even before you had kids, you had kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, also, as I've gotten older, I just I can understand how the person that we may not think is attractive, but somebody marries them or whatever, they weren't looking at that. They were looking at who this person is, and that's the bigger picture. Like we have to 
just start respecting people for who they are. And taste and it, it has no, Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, definitely. Taste is... Yeah, taste it's going to vary. There's a lot of things. Like, you know, and I've always said this about me my friends and I, like how we would always have different um, tastes in men. Because I'm like... I don't, I don't think that nigga is cute, but she does. Mm-hmm. And after, and it, it saves relationships that you and your homegirls do not think the same nigga is exactly. cute. So <laughs> I've always been very grateful for it because I'm like, that nigga is ugly. Mm-hmm. But if you happy, I'm happy, whatever. Exactly. But like then it, she'll I be looking it. at me like, girl, that nigga is ugly. I'm like, no, he's cute. You don't like, you know. Yes, you a little twinkle in his eyes. And she'll like, be like, no. Like, I don't see it at all. But yeah, it, it definitely is a It takes it is a lot. It takes a lot, but I do always appreciate what TJ kind of goes on that his like spiel because like you know, as being pregnant, like your body go- is going through so many changes, and you can't even like keep up with them sometimes. And mm-hmm. like, and I mean, there's just like wild shit that happens to your body that you don't even really besides just like your uterus getting bigger and your stomach. You know, there's a whole person stepping on your bladder. So and, yeah, like, <laughs> and you're talking about women like, are literally sacrificing. Sacrificing themselves to have children. Oh yeah, pregnancy. I would say pregnancy and childbirth is is the um you are when you decide to have a child, you are standing on the threshold of life and death. Like you mm-hmm. have a foot on both sides of the world because yeah. you're not go. You might not make it. No matter, especially for African American no, women yeah, because the, they don't the, the, uh, they don't believe in they don't believe that we're in as much pain. Yeah. They don't yeah. you know they think they were dragging it or something. And yeah, we always so that um I maternal was it mortality rate. Who was it? Oh, he did have to black on the anesthesiologist because yeah. he got smart in my during my C section. I don't even remember it, but he. Like, I can only imagine. Oh yeah, because I had to black. I've been in a couple of um. I've been in a couple of. I've been with a couple of people who've had children, and we've always had to fight for them. Yeah. Always to the point where I'm just like, you know, when I'm ready to have children, I do not want to have children in the hospital. Yeah, and that's I'm, so crazy. I'm right? not. I'm when we have another baby, I'm not going back to the same hospital that we were at, even though the the care I got. When we first got there, and then after Tatum was born was cool, but it was the person that was there, the like the nurse that was there for the mm-hmm. most of the duration of my labor, and then I ha- I hated her. Oh my god, I hated her. There was one point they gave me some like drugs before I got the epidural to kind of like take the edge off, mm-hmm. and it kind of made me a little loopy, and I just was like, man, fuck Monica, dude. Like I was going <laughs> all, like. Just, yeah, so anyway, and then the whatever happened with the anesthesiologist because there was like something beeping, and then they're like, yeah. and he TJ's like, well, what's that noise? Like, you know, like you you got my wife like cut in half and my baby in here, like what's happening? And he said something smart to TJ, and like, he, I mean, you could. Yeah, so it was beeping, so I'm like, what is that noise? And he kind of like placated it, like, oh, it's it's okay. And then it beeped again, and I'm like, no, this. From, from from what I know, when shit beeps, shit is Something's not going. Right. Yeah, and he and he made a joke, kind of like, like, pretty much like if if the beeping's gonna bother you, shouldn't be it type situation. And I was like, well, forgive me that I'm not a doctor. Like I'm, forgive me that I have no idea. And then everybody else was like, oh no, he didn't mean it that way. Like. Not everyone else was apologizing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like that's like, like this shit is beeping. So me and and my sister-in-law was in there. So my sister-in-law was with Tatum. So I'm like, you you take care of Tatum. I'll make sure Danny's good. But it's like, it keeps beeping. I'm like, this, it shouldn't be beeping like that. Now, if he would have been like, oh, it's just beeping like that because of whatever, I'd have probably been okay. 
But it was just that the, the response and my and, and I, I mean I would tell anybody like advocate for the people. Yeah, because that's period. actually where a lot of the problems happen yeah. in like that the post um, post birth care like 100%. where they just kind of like oh they just kind of like whatever. And I'm like no, you have to care for the mother. You just they just 100%. went through major surgery, um, whether it was a C section or whether it was like you know a, vagin- a vaginal birth. Um, yeah, you have to make sure that they're because they that's when a lot of women the post the post birth complications is where a lot of women end up dying. Mm-hmm. That's how um what you call it? Because um, I keep seeing it now. Um, he's suing Cedar Sinai. Um, it's like Judge Hatchet, um, her son-in-law, her, son, yeah. her son's, because his wife, she had a C-section and he, she was bleeding out and internally, and they were like, she's not a priority right now. Right. Serena Williams, she, if she didn't already have an understanding of like her own her health, her, her body, she could have she died. Because she, and she, she also, I mean, and it doesn't even just matter like, like you said, C-section or vaginal. She happened. Those women also happen to have C-sections, and that became like a big thing. And even just like simple stuff too, because even when I was in labor before we even knew I had to have a C-section, and we're waiting for waiting, waiting. And at one point, that's the nurse. Fuck Monica. Um, <laughs> she came in the room and like. Said something to the effect of me like, you know, yeah, I'm, you know, for you. And then she kind of looked at TJ and she was like, and your husband, like that. And I had to be like, ma'am, like in my mind, I'm like, first of all, anytime you ever have, like, you've been, you said you've been in the hospital, so you know that like the father or whoever like the point person is, the mother and the child once the child comes out all have the same like wristband, like they they keep that shit on lock because babies so babies don't get snatched. So, if my last name and his last name are the same, we either a husband and wife or cousins. So, what the fuck do you think that this is? And I'm like, we're cousins. And we're not. So, I'm just like, I had to look at Even though in Maryland, you could marry your cousin. (laughs) That's another another Your first cousin? Yeah, it was was it first cousin? Oh, I don't know. Or maybe it was second. No, remember, when we went through the the marriage marriage license, and it was like, and maybe second cousins are good. I think so because we asked we yeah, asked, we it's, asked it's the very... TJ asked the man when we went to get our marriage certificate did he ever have anybody like relative I don't know why yes but he came came in because, and he said because one he time asked us, he said one, he said one time oh yeah you have they have to ask are you related that's what it is and so we were like did anybody ever come in here that is related and he, and he was, was like, like yeah. yeah and we were like are you sure because you know like you can meet somebody whose last name is Smith and your last name is Smith and you're not related because it's a common last name Johnson. And he was like, no, one time it was like a very like distinct last name and they both had it already. And he had like, yeah, so somewhere there's some cousin so, fuckers yes, running in around. In Maryland, <laughs> first cousin marriage is allowed. Boy, you know what? Can you look up? Um, <laughs> and then first cousin once removed marriage is also allowed in Maryland. They can keep it. Keep it, keep it, keep it. Listen. Can you can you check Maine? Maine. Is there yeah. somebody in there? You think somebody's got some cousins? Look, while TJ's looking that up, I'm going to go ahead and segue into our relationship tip because we still got one. We just got off the elevator talking to covering all things, body positivity, <laughs> pregnancy, childbirth, maternal, maternal. All of that. Yes, all of the things. This is this is what this show is about. Um, so I'll go ahead while he's looking that up. It's just It says, yes, proof of genetic counseling form a genetic counselor. I don't know what that means. But it means you got to like, come with receipts that you're like related or not related. But it says yes. You can marry your first cousin of me. Which actually knows some some married cousin. <laughs> you gotta take that information back and be like, girl. Oh, let me tell you. Uh-oh. They try to deny it. They be like, no. Uh-oh. You only saw something that was funny, but okay. Oh. I can't. Listen. All right. Let me, let me move on for that one. I'm going to have to ask you about that off air. Um, so my relationship tip for the week is love is patient, but not stagnant. Mm. And 
I thought about that because I was talking to a a friend of mine who is um, maybe like at least like seven ish years younger than me, and mm. um, she recently broke up with her boyfriend. And one of the reasons why was because like she's like I love him, but I'm trying to do for myself and I'm trying to grow mm-hmm. myself in my profession, and I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that, and he's not. And so she, you know, the she was just basically saying that the breakup was amicable, but, you know, the, the reasons behind it was that she wanted to grow and she felt like she was making steps towards trying to grow as a person and he wasn't. And then they weren't, mm-hmm. as a result, they also were not growing in their relationship. And to, and I'll say this applies to romantic partnerships and even friendships, like, Sometimes there are reasons and seasons why you're in a relationship Absolutely. with a person, and sometimes they're not meant to go the distance. They're just supposed to teach you a lesson, or you know, in or grow you in some way, shape, or form, or serve as a warning of red flags, trigger signal, whatever for the next time around. So that way, if you see those things again, you know to steer clear. And I just think that you know, with love and relationships, you you do have to be patient with the person, or you have to be patient. Sometimes like it takes time for people to get to a point, but there's still like a, there's sometimes like a time limit on things. And yeah. what your your threshold of patience is or what the the, the act or the growth that needs to happen um, and how much time that might take could vary from topic to topic. Ultimately, staying patient doesn't mean that you're like stuck in the same place. Mm-hmm. And I think that that sometimes, you know, I think it almost even comes down to like the, like that ride or die mentality. Like I'm going to see it through all of this. Like yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to wait for him or her to figure it out. But like, no, like that's, that's being comfortable being stagnant as opposed to being patient with someone because they're in a, a dark season or they're, they're, they're in their, they're on their grind or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you like, if you don't see that light at the end of the tunnel, I think you might have to like reassess and reevaluate. Absolutely. So I agree. That is my relationship tip for the week. Love is patient, but it is not stagnant. You got to keep growing. I agree with that. So my tip is going to be: don't allow fear to stop you from from progressing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking about the house. You know, I feel like the house. Danny's got a new job. I had a new job. I feel like sometimes we allow like the unknown, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially speaking for my, I grew up, my mother worked for her company for 20 plus years mm-hmm. and they laid her off. My father worked for his company like 18 years later on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they came from a time where you stay with one company forever. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like instilled in us to, you know. If everything's good, why Why would you leave? Whereas in our generation, listen, you go wherever. Oh, two years is up. Out of here. (laughs) A year, you know, whatever whatever their commitment is, you know, and that's the kind of that kind of gave me like the the tip for this week that like, don't be afraid to progress. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with trying something out, especially once you've kind of hit whatever your your milestones were. Like, if you hit everything that you felt and you know there's nothing else there, it's okay for you to leave. It's yeah. okay for you to try something different and see how how, how you feel how you feel there. Because a lot of times, I feel like fear is what stops us from doing, doing things. things. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I remember when I was working for T. Rowe Price and I got a job offer from, from Toyota. Mm, I remember that. 
and I wanted to take it, but my parents was like, don't take it. You don't know how that company is going to be. You're here already. You're doing it. So I, I, I kept it. And that was like the worst decision. It's like when they tried to, they made you yes say no. that math class and you failed it. Yes. <laughs> so my parents had a, had a rule. They were paying for school. If I failed any classes, I had to pay for it. The only class I ever failed was the class that I was like, I'm not going to pass this. Mm-hmm. And my parents was like, oh, you're not being studious. You're not giving it or you're all. And I'm, I'm telling you, I went to tutoring everything. But it was, it was, it was a um, statistic class. I never took statistics. And I'm like, I don't get this shit. I don't get any of this. So my only failure ever in college was a class that my parents told me to keep. Man, so I, I told my mother, I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not paying for that. Because I told you I could not pass yeah. this. I stuck in here because you wanted... I had to prove to you that I had no idea. What the hell was going on? Yeah, I could have had this W. We'd have been good. <laughs> withdraw. Yeah. So, you know... Shout out to a good old withdraw. Withdraw. Ooh. Oh, withdraw was perfect. That little window of time in college. And they'd be like, you could drop this class Hell and not yeah. be charged. And you'd be like, like, oh, let me just well, head up to this office. you won't be charged anymore, but yeah. Let me, try, yeah. let me head up to right to this bursar's office. Hell like, yeah. I can't take this class. Like, exactly. And that was like in 2000. When I first got into college, like 2006, 2007. By 2008, 2009, 2010, do it up right online. Like, withdraw. Like I'm no longer part Yes, you could change the class to class to feel like you know what. I yeah. did that with intro to physics my freshman year. I don't need this for GPA or nothing like that. Like I don't even need it just for, just for the credit. Get yeah. it out of here. Exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna get a D in this. Pass or fail. You should have those options for life too. You'd be like, actually, I'm just gonna come on withdraw and give like a, give me like a two week uh, grace period with things. No, no, no. But I'm, I, I mean, I, again, I'm grateful that I went through. I'm grateful I went for my F because that also taught me like. You know what you're doing. Yeah. Do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trust yourself. From that day on, I told my parents, like, listen, I'm going to do this. I got this. All I got to do is pass. I'm going to get you these passing grades. But I'm not taking them yeah. you anymore. So. Well, thank you for that, my good sir. You're welcome. I won. <laughs> Everything is a competition. You know <laughs> um, so now it is time for our Black History 365. We're going to take it past February. And would you like to go first or would you like me to? You can go first. All right. Because my tip is, I don't, I don't think it's that great, but go ahead. Okay. Well, for March, in this day in black history, on March 13th, 1946, Colonel B.O. Davis Jr. assumed command of the Lockbourne Air Force Base in Ohio. Um, and that means that he was in charge of the Tuskegee Airmen. And they were the black pilots, bombardiers, navigators, and support personnel trained during World War II. It says the fighter pilots of the 99th Fighter Squadron and the 332nd Fighter Group of the U.S. Army Air Corps, led by Colonel B.O.J. Davis Jr., distinguished themselves in combat in numerous missions in the European theater during 1944 through 1946. And that one was a personal one for me because my grandfather on my dad's side was actually a Tuskegee Airman. He oh, was, that's so amazing. He was a bombardier. So John Freeman, that was my granddad. And so... He, that's so crazy. That's so... That's really amazing. Yeah. Do you ever look up like... Have you ever looked up like to see if you find any articles or anything about him? I've actually not. I only have like... So I have like one picture of my grandfather where he was like in his uniform looking all fine and distinguished. And, um, and then like my grandmother when she was still alive... Um, and before she moved to Florida, used to go to like the Tuskegee Airmen. Like they used to have meetings, um, and she was and my dad was from Brooklyn, and they used to have meetings there. And I remember like going to one with her one time because it used to be like 
well, after if, if the men die, like the wives or whoever, they would also attend. Um, so I, I really don't have a lot of like information or anything. I probably do a better, a good job of asking my mother because even though my parents were divorced even before my dad died, my mother knows all of my dad's like family history and business. So she might know better than anybody at this point. Maybe my uncle too. So I'll have to look into it. But yeah, I always felt like that was such a dope thing that like my granddad was a Tuskegee Airman and that that's dope. He did the thing. So you know, I'm big on like having like history and having like purpose. So I think that's like super dope. So I want to ask you, like, has your family always been up north, or where do they come from? They somewhere come from the south. So my family, both actually, my mom and my dad's side of the family both originally were from the south. I think my my mom's family was like, it was actually both my mom and dad's family were like South Carolina, because mm-hmm. um, my grandmother's name was um, Helena, and that was like Saint Helena's Island, Saint Helen's or Helena's Island. That was like right off the coast of South Carolina. And then I think also though there was some like Georgia in my family. But then my grandmother and a couple of her sisters moved to New York during like the Great Migration. Well, yeah, like yeah, like the thirties. Um, independent on who, because some were younger than others, like thirties, forties. And then stayed, and then that's how they got. You know, they migrated here and, and stayed. And the same thing with like my grandmother's side of the my my father's side of the family. Mm-hmm. So my mom's side were Harlem, and then my dad's side they ended up in Brooklyn. So that and then from there it was just like generations of of New Yorkers, and mm-hmm. then that's it. So like, and then you know my sister, and we kind of spread out a little bit. I don't know. I, I think my mother's side is Richmond, Virginia. Is Virginia? Yeah, your dad's side and my is, father um, is Buford. Is South Carolina I know as well. That. I know yeah. that for a fact. Yeah, and then because they're Geechee. The oh, that's that's dope. Yeah, yeah. I think we we also might be. A lot of South Carolinas, you know, might have like a little Geechee, bit of Geechee, little Geechee mm-hmm. in the yeah. That's yeah. that's one of the things that's like I'm fascinated and i think it's because my family isn't from here mm-hmm. but like i'm fascinated by black american history in this country See, that's weird because not weird but i think it's funny because i'm like more infatuated infatuated with like african history and i'm just like you're like whatever oh. like <laughs> See, and I, I always feel like I, I feel like it's it's to me it's interesting because i'm like we, i always have like a ballpark idea but i don't like how there's not a lot of like connection or understanding mm-hmm. of that and because of obviously like now I know like my, my mom's side of the family has done a better job because they were like pictures one time I remember seeing of like the plantation that our family was um enslaved on and, and from there and then um like they used to tell me like stories so like I knew like my great grandfather so like my great grandfather was allegedly Irish or whatever and so like you know these are like anti allegedly shut up. <laughs> anti miscegenation and like so him marrying my great grandmother was completely like you know, he was just kind of like tan, so he would try to like pass for black, um, and then they, um, and they got married, but then it was obviously illegal then. So then, but then they ended up having nine kids, and but then what's like crazy is that my great grandfather apparently was still like, you married a black woman, you had black children, but then like you still demonstrated like examples of like racism, colorism, because when his like grandkids were born, um. So my one of my my grand aunts has four boys, and two of my cousins are uh, much like are darker complected, mm-hmm. and the two of them are light skinned And like anytime something would like go wrong, you know, like kids being bad in the house or whatever, my apparently like my great grandfather would like accuse the darker so dark. skin 
grandsons as opposed to the lighter skinned ones when I'm really like all of them were like raising hell. But it's like it just all that stuff kind of like floored me a little bit, you know, growing up. But yeah, I think that's the case. But it's funny because like you're talking about like you got like we have like I have to ask about if I have any Geechee on my side because like you're talking about South Carolina, I'm talking about South Carolina, and like we better not be no distant cousins either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. It's over now. <laughs> We're gonna turn it to Kevin Gates. <laughs> oh my god. This, like, I got the, that episode. This is the episode title. It's gonna have something to do with cousin lovers or something like that. That's but, funny as hell. But, but like I have like frat brothers who are African and like to hear them like yeah there's a lot of nigerians in the, oh a whole bunch too many yeah i mean in a lot of the orgs i mean well so at in maryland like the q's and alphas are african we have all the africans because it's a there's a huge 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 um i know in that area a huge um actually like east african population down there and then a huge west african population um down there so yeah i can only imagine yeah I but think- i think the idea of just being able to know like we have land here. We like we we have somewhere where we can go, and this is, you know, what I mean, like for me, I mean, I can go to South Carolina, but it's not going to be the same. Mm. Like when I hear the stories about like my neos going home, and shit, I went to the Dominican Republic. One of my, my um, pro fight, he's Dominican, and he took us to his home, and mm-hmm. just to be able to see that, like, it's. For me, like I wish I had that. I wish I, I wish I can go to South Carolina right now and be like, I'm going to the Byerson farm, and people would be like, Oh, he's a Byerson, you know? Yeah. Like to me, I think that's just so dope. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I definitely you, don't take it for granted that there's land like you know in Nigeria that we have. There's like a house there. There's, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, I think being in this country and kind of like I'm very big on like the diaspora being like interconnected. Dope. So like I'm here and it's just like okay, so um, wh- who are my family here? Gotcha. And that's how I've always looked at it. Um, because I was like I know what's going on in Nigeria, but I'm I'm here and this mm-hmm. these are my people here. So mm-hmm. it's like what like who are the people that, and I think that's something that I learned from my father. Cause my father came here in the seventies. And a lot of the stuff that I know about Black American history and history in general came from my father. And I remember having, like, you know, a lot of um, Black activists come in and out of my house when I was, like, younger. And I didn't know who they were until I got older. And I realized, like, I was really having history walked in and out of my house. Mm-hmm. My father was very involved in that stuff. That's dope. And um, so I've always just, it's just always been like, um, this is my family. Like, I have family everywhere, but, like, you know, when you mm-hmm. get to where you're at, you want to learn who your family is, so. No, definitely. I think that's so, I think it's ultimately, like, important that we all do that. I just think, and I, what I, what is frustrating, though, is, like, with, as black Americans, is that it's kind of difficult to get that, like, it's really hard to get, like, a seamless, like, lineage of, like, where do you come from yeah. and who, you know, where do you hail from? Because, like, you know, I did the 23 and Me or the Ancestry and stuff, and, like, mine, of course, was like, kind of almost split down the middle of like Africa and like Europe because I mean it kind of explains some of this like light skinnedness <laughs> right but um it's still like there's still the blackest in your family so don't I am I am I've got like 54% like so I'm like that's like the highest number of like really like yeah like my family like my family looks like a United Colors of Benetton ad like it's pretty we're pretty light bright um for black people but um I think that's also I I could go on and on about that because like my grandfather, I'm pretty confident my grandfather on my mom's side uh, lied about like everything because he was kind of like a criminal. So well, um, 
So, um, like maybe in the mob, the dalliances, you know, little stuff like that, like white collar stuff, real, real classy shit. But um, still, like, wasn't probably as candid about who he was and mm-hmm. where he came from. So therefore, now there's like a lot of questions about like, well, shit. Well, what are we? I thought we were Portuguese, and now it's like, no, you're, you know, European Jewish. Like, what is that? Like, I don't know. So, um, that was my Black History fact. Were we still in my Black History fact? Did you have yours yet? I have no. Yeah, I didn't go. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> we've been we've been vibing. So what's what's going on, on on your end of things? So an easy one. Okay. And then I'll do it. The other one. Um, Common was born. Oh. So. Well, look at that. You know. Fellow Pisces like you. I mean, listen. Sensitive oh, asses. Pis- oh, that makes a lot of sense. What does that mean? Hold on. No. Um. No, I love Common. I think he's um, but I you know. I mean, we, we all be seeing how Common, you know. He's emotional. Yeah, not even just emotional, but like how he kind of moves through relationships, and mm. it's just like he kind of tends to. I think the opposite, the other side of being emotional is also like running away from like feeling too much because you're scared of how it's gonna make you feel. Like, is you're scared of you're scared of feeling it, and I've noted, and I think that like, and I, you know, Common came out with like you know his experience, um, his. Uh, experience with sexual assault and being sexually abused as a child and how that affected all his relationships and um so like when i think about that i'm like and then combine it with playing pisces i'm like no wonder like you know he is the way he is couldn't quite you know yeah he said he went to therapy for angela rye but then they still broke up again yeah because i was like i saw him in her pictures and then i was like where'd he go and then he was back again like a year later and then he's gone again but yeah no emotional this is a pisces over here too he's march 20th so Lord knows. What's your sign? What's I'm your sign? a Gemini. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See, Geminis, I feel like, get a bad rap. We do. But Especially we, men Geminis. Well, but it makes sense. I think male cancers are trash. And I'm a, I'm a, a female cancer, but I think, yeah. But I have, like, one of my closest friends, like, one of my best friends from high school is a Gemini. And then, like, your brother's a Gemini, TJ. And yes. Yes. I, I think, like, they... I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with a Gemini. I think because like it's just easy. Cousin, I think it's like it's like low hanging fruit. Like you guys are my like my cousin is also Gemini. Oh, because you know like it's the twins, so they're like, oh, you're two faced, or you're you don't you're two sided, or whatever. Like to me, sometimes it's a little bit like low hanging fruit. Like it's easy to say that because it's kind of like very like on the nose, but there's more to it than that. What I've what I have experienced is that Gemini's tend to be able to. Ad- adapt yeah to the environment that they are in so like to not say that they're two-sided or two-faced but that they can kind of like turn it on and off like we're, we're, we're like very fluid we also see I, I will always say that we also see a lot of different sides mm-hmm. um i think it's a it's definitely a um a misconception that we're all like super outgoing and super um charming and all that stuff i'm like that's not the case <laughs> um we all have different sides but i we do we do do really well in social settings but it's mainly because we can kind of see where everybody is coming from mm-hmm. and that's where the two so that's the whole point of being the twins is that we can like on surface this is what we are but then underneath like we can be might be a completely different person but like the surface part because we're like used to moving like because this because what people deal with is like you know if we could talk in carl young um terms like you know Mm -hmm. you have like you know the animus and like the the anima and the animus and you're dealing with like 
So you deal with like one part, the top, like this, the conscious and the subconscious, and like we're operating on the con, like the very surface conscious level, shallow level, because we know we're gonna be moving from different circles. Mm-hmm. But then when you really get to know us, mm-hmm. that's the other side, and that's the person that like you're probably gonna deal with a majority of the time. And then for a lot of people, it's like, well, who is this person? It's like the same person, but you know. Yeah, but now like I, I we've. Got to know each other a little exactly. bit Exactly. So. I get it. I'm picking up what you put in. Yeah. <laughs> other black history fact is... Oh, yeah, too. I forgot. March 13th, 1932, the Atlanta Daily World newspaper begins running as a daily publication. Exciting. I mean... Well... You know, tidbit right there They're still you. running, so... I oh, think. kudos to them, because yeah, yeah. newspapers are... political. dying brand. Coming, yeah, becoming extinct. Yeah. So. Well, that case... Now it is time for we've had a very healthy yeah. opening segment. So, we did. Um, it's time for your word of the week. So it's now you know TJ's going to try and uh, amp up and ramp up his vocabulary. <laughs> I'm gonna let. Uh, Although uh, let me say this while he's pulling that up. I'm gonna let Amanda. Of all these words that I've either spelled correctly or spelled incorrectly, I have yet to hear TJ use them in a sentence outside of this episode. <laughs> That's so, so funny. So I think like you need to work on like incorporating them into your vocabulary. I will. Thank you. I feel like I've used some of them before, but... I highly doubt it. I feel like I've used Iconoclast before. I'm just... I'm just sorry. Saying. I wish we had video right now, because I put my drink <laughs> down and I just looked at him like... All right, anyway. My word... I gotta I gotta let uh, Rebecca say it so I can know. <laughs> Who's Rebecca? The white lady on the phone that pronounces it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mute. Upgratude. Pulchritude. Pulchritude. I need. Can you use it? In, can I have the definition, please? If someone comments on the pulchritude of your face, <laughs> your face, look at this face, you shouldn't be offended. It may sound like quite, I don't know what this says, quite the opposite, but pulchritude actually means beauty. Pulchritude. Is there a sentence? Danielle, you're asking for two minutes. Okay, right all right. So pulchritude. Pulchritude. Sips one. Um, I'll, let, I'll let her say it again. Is it Rebecca or Amanda? I mean, just think of any white name. Shelly. That's what she sounds. Shelly? Shelly's not really a white name. We know it's Shelly. Oh, we do know a black Shelly. I'll take that back. Uh, what's a... Teresa. Okay. That's... Yeah. I mean, I call to be a black person. We can go with Rebecca. It's fine. Rebecca. Oh, I don't know what I just did. Oh, there it goes. Come on. Come on, Rebecca. That's that good old Boost Mobile. Uh, <laughs> that was perfect. Thank you. All right, I'm just gonna spell it. Pulchritude. Okay, pulchritude. It's not working. So, p- p- as in Tatum would be like, P is for Peppa Pig. No. Um, I love Peppa Pig. Um, she's shady. She is. Um, pulchritude. P U L C R I T U D E. Say it one more time. P U L Pul. C R I two T U D E. You were very close. I was wrong. Yeah. What two I weeks miss? in a row. So I'm talking about. Let's get it. What did I miss? It was an H in there. P U L C H R I T U D E. Oh, is this a, I, I, oh like my middle name's Christine, so C H. That's so. That's the cheating. I don't like that. English is stupid. Yeah, I didn't even get to see that. I was, when you said C, I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> I did not. I was not expecting it's like a C. Oh, yeah, pulchritude. Pulchritude. Okay. Definitely thinking a K. Well, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll make sure to use this word because it's pulchritude. 
Pulchritude. That's not how that word is pronounced. Let me be great, okay? Oh my gosh. Well, with that note, TJ still owes me forty dollars from two weeks ago. Oh my gosh. And um, I was just I'm gonna keep putting until you. Can put, we just until you pay me? Until you pay me. Let's just chalk it up. That's the, why the, the episode. Last, the last pair of sneakers. I- no, I want forty dollars cash. Thank you. Anyway, or cash. Let's out. take a moment from our sponsor. Okay. And then we'll be able to. I'll be able to pay her her $40. Yes. <laughs> and talk more with Ujeti. Yes. Oh, please. <laughs> hey, friend. It's time for you to ditch those workout gloves and get the grip and wrist support you deserve. What do you suggest? You need to get the Gaines Load and Lock Grips by Gaines Sports Gear. They are more durable than gloves, have a non-slip grip pad that provides grip support and added wrist support, unlike your traditional workout gloves, and will protect your hands from calluses. Do they come in different colors? Not only do they come in different colors, but they are available for men and women. Do yourself a favor. Go to gainsportsgear.com. And remember, a better grip equals a better lift. Embrace the process. And you too can embrace the process by using our code LOVERS10 at gains, G-A-I-N-Z, sportsgear.com. And now, back to the episode. And we're back. Yes, we are. And now it is time for us to uh, pick up where we left off in our formal interview of the lovely, beautiful, talented, all things <laughs> Uchechi. Part two. Part two. <laughs> Part two. On the run. All of that stuff, right? Part two. So um, in the first episode that we were, we really did like dive you kinda in. Went all, you kind of asked all the questions and stuff. Can I ask the the leading question? You absolutely can. Right, you you, you just, can finish. I'm going to like set it up. All right, go ahead. I'm going to set them up. You knock them down. Okay. I'm picking uh, up what you're putting down. All right. All right. All right. So um, the first episode uh, that you were on, we definitely did like a more of like the relationship, your outlook, love, partnerships, all the stuff that matters. So now what we do want to do is I'm going to toss it to my husband and also talk about like what you do in like career and professional because where you started and where you have ended, or, or where you are now, I should say not ended, but um, was a stark contrast, for Absolutely. lack of a better term. Yeah. So um, I'm going to let him kick things off. What was the moment when you knew you were supposed to be a creative and not in the medical field? Um, I think the first time I was on the grapevine set, after I left that day, I was just like, oh, I think I'm not, I'm doing the wrong thing. <laughs> um, I, I've always been, I've always been creative. I'm like, I, it was kind of, um, I don't want to say hidden, but like I did like public speaking. I did drama in high school. Mm-hmm. I actually attempt. I actually like applied for drama school. You know, um, at Rutgers. I and it was just like on a whim. And my father was like, I don't know what the hell you're thinking. But, <laughs> um, and I was just like, no, I just want to see what you know. Um, my shits and giggles. Yeah, he was just like, great, so much fun. Okay, so um, giggle your ass to bio. Right. Um, <laughs> You know, take your ass to a real job, you know, a real, a real um, major. But yeah, so like, you know, I, I wrote my whole life. And then, you know, in high school, I did a lot of public speaking, a lot of drama. Um, but I always looked at those as hobbies and things of that nature. It wasn't until, and then like I went to college. And I remember my advisor in college was like, why are you in bio? And this is after, I had, and I was in the honors, um, I was in the honors program at Rutgers. 
And I was doing extremely well in their writing program. Like I had, uh, I had uh, placed out of all of their like writing requirements for freshmen, and I was doing extremely well in the writing program. And he was just like, you know, why are you, why are you in a uh, in pharmacy? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, you know, you know. And he was like, and I was struggling. And he was just like, why are you there? And I was like, you know, because to do well, you know, I mean, like, you know, of course, like I'm, I'll be fine. It's fine. Like, you know, I just gotta push through. And he was like, you're not doing well. Like, you should just like, you know, focus on, you know, you're doing really well in writing. You should focus on that. And I remember thinking like, oh my god, nobody wants black people to ever, you know, do anything else besides something creative. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm gonna push through. Definitely dropped out. <laughs> he was like, year. he was like, ma'am, I was trying to advise I you. I was trying to advise you, help you, you know, <laughs> and um. So you know, and I think when I think about all these things, I was like, yo, that was just that was definitely the science telling me like, if you just shift a little, like you'll be all right. Um, but I just couldn't see it, and so it wasn't until like I think I got on the set, the, the set, and I was like, I wanted to that was two thousand and December two thousand and fifteen, mm-hmm. either fourteen or fifteen, and then leaving that day and being so fucking nervous that like I don't know, like this is supposed to be on YouTube, I'm on YouTube, what is that? <laughs> but then leaving and being like yo i haven't felt this comfortable ever wow like ever and um and that feeling has just only grown like you know through doing the grapevine through podcasting through being on panels for different things and then finally like picking up writing again and just being like oh i haven't felt like this in forever like felt like i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing in forever so i think that would be like the moment that's dope um and actually, it's a kind of a great segue into um, the next question, which was, you you know, because you touched on like you you being on the grapevine for the first time was like your aha moment. But how did that come to be to fruition? Like, how did you get in front of that camera for this particular show on YouTube? And then like, how did that uh, series of events go? So I met um, I met Ashley through a mutual friend, Ashley mm-hmm. and her. Some, me and Ashley's sister actually went to school together, but okay. Ashley's sister was like, I want to say she was two years ahead of me, mm-hmm. two or three years ahead of me in, in college. Um, and I remember meeting her my freshman year of, of uh, college. We had My cousin had brought me to the African Association um, meeting, and I remember going there, and I was like, oh, this is not for me. So, <laughs> um, which is funny, because five years later, I ended up becoming vice president for that same association. Well, look at God. But, no. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I, I walked in, and I was like, oh, nah, I'm sorry, this is not for me. And I, she was actually a part of that. Um, we never really talked. Um, and then graduated from college, and met Ash or saw Ashley at a housewarming party. I don't think we even talked at that. But then I met, I saw Ash. Then Ashley and I saw each other um, at a block party, and we were all having conversations and stuff like that. And she said that she started that she has a show and she's starting it, and she thinks that you know she was wondering if I was interested in it. And I was just like, a show, a show. I was like, oh no no no, girl. Yeah. I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, so I didn't see her again till two years later, where I saw her at a, it was around the time that Sandra Bland had passed away, mm. and I saw her at a happy hour for the same mutual friend, and, you know, I remember talk. we were talking about Sandra Bland, and I remember being, like, you know, being so... This is one, those were, that was one of the deaths that, like, really angered me, because, you know, Sandra was being 
who she was meant to be, who mm. she was just being, who she was, and was essentially killed for that, you know. And be you know, being this black woman who decided that she wasn't going to be like jerked around by this like stupid ass cop. Mm-hmm. And um I remember telling you, you know, I'm I remember distinctly saying that, you know, I'm not going to lessen myself ever just because a cop, you know, decides that he wants to flex on me. And I think Ashley had asked me, it was like, what if you die? And I was like, then I die. Mm. And um, she was, then she like, we were on the train and she was like, you know, I'm putting the show together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you'd be really good. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, I was like, oh no, she asked me this already. And I was, and then I was like, you know, you know what, fine, whatever. So I gave her my information and months later, this has to have been like September and I thought she forgot about it. But then months later, because what I didn't realize was that she had been like starting and stopping, starting and stopping because she had experienced, you know, financial issues mm-hmm. and stuff of course, like that yeah. with the show. But you know, not, I didn't know any of this. And so like, I thought she just forgot, um, but then she calls me in December and it's like, hey, we're having this, um, you know, I'd like, you know, I remember the show I was telling you about, well, you know, I'd like for you to be on. And um, she's going to, you know, she sent me the information and she sent me. And so that was in like December. And we were talking about um, there was the attacks in Paris that happened. We were all talk- we were also talking about Aisha Curry and the things that she said. I'm trying to think of what other episodes that was that. I think we talked about Chirac and that that um that said mm. um whew, I don't even know if those episodes are even still up. <laughs> but it, yeah, and so we talked about all these things and the fr- and I remember getting on set and sitting there and sweating profusely and just being like, well, what am I doing here? Like, I remember walking in and looking around like, I don't even belong here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I think I had gotten into like my fourth year in like work fourth or fifth year working in oncology. Um I just felt like so out of place, but then I got on set and I'm talking and the conversation is happening, and I'm just like, nah, like no, I actually this is it, like yeah. <laughs> this is it. Got it. Um, so obviously, like the grapevine is, and I, I apologize, I don't want to step on toes. You can get the next question, babe. <laughs> you go. Of course, I have it. Um, you know, your the whole point in premises like black millennials sharing their opinion, uh, opinions. And experiences and commentary on things that are going on in the world or there are their own, you know, or within the culture. Um, and it's like I saw like one like piece of like clip art of you and it was like I guess everybody had like a a, a name or whatever and they had you as like the agitator. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought that made me chuckle and it made me also a little nervous when I first I was like, Oh, I was like, she I was like, maybe like Chechi's gonna come in here and she's gonna be like, And Danny, what the fuck are you talking about? Like and Yeah, but a lot of people assume that I'm just gonna come in and like be very destructive and I'm like have y'all watched the show? Yeah. <laughs> so I like I I it gave me pause but I'm like I, at the same time I was but then I kinda I thought about it again and I was like, uh I was like it probably just also means that she just like stands firm with like her thoughts right um but opinions and thoughts often stir up a lot of feelings in people Mm -hmm. and um so my question or our question for you is that you know have you ever experienced where people feel like because you're sharing your opinions and thoughts on this platform that like they catch you in public that they can like debate you about something oh my god or or, like how do you deal with like the feedback and the the comments after an episode drops when you've been on it i feel like that's personal what what? Because I feel like there'd be people who be like wanting to debate you based off of what you said or, or your thoughts. So. I mean, I don't really feel like. Uh, well, I know for one, I know one person who 
always wants to debate you. Who? Now. Oh, oh, Rock is. All the time. Rock always wants to debate you or. Because because I, I, I challenge and I question and I am a just natural opponent in, in, in him because a lot of things he says is wrong. But I love you, Rock. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, for you, Cheshi, like, does that happen? Or like, how do you even like deal with that? Especially when like your thoughts are front and center on a regular basis. Oh my God. There's a lot of people who are in my inbox who like start off like, and you know, I, I have been told that I need to start, I need to stop responding to people in my inbox because I'm not as, um, I don't consider myself by any stretch of the means like you know a celebrity in any way. Mm-hmm. But um, I am a little. I'm not as um, I'm not anonymous. I'm not walking through the world like unknown anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, when people hit me up on my inst- on like my social media, I'm just like, oh, okay, like hey, what's up? How you doing? Love the show. Blah blah blah. And I'm and I get easily caught up in that and I'm mm. just like oh yeah like you know you love the show thank you so much and then all of a sudden like, floodgates floodgates and I'm just like and I and I find it difficult to be like I don't want and, I mean recently I've been saying like I just don't want to talk about this anymore like and people really do think I'm on like debate mode 24-7 and I'm like I'm not a lot of things I leave on the show um mm. Very, and this is with very close friends that I talk about certain things now. But a lot of things I just leave on the show. I have the conversation we talk about on the show, and I move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but people, a lot of people don't understand that, um, yeah. and it's just like this is taxing. Debating <laughs> <laughs> is exhausting. Like, or like, it's so exhausting, and like going back and forth with someone, and I almost like. When you talk about your DMs, the the image in my mind that just popped up of like maybe how like a suggestion of like engaging with them is I don't know if you've seen the clip that's gone viral recently of that episode of What Would You Do with the you know so like there's that that show called What Would You mm-hmm. Do with John Quinones and they put people in scenarios mm-hmm. and they're secretly recording and it was the blind man was like being like the actor was taken advantage of with the woman with the twenties and that one the one the only black woman and she was like I'm not engaging in this conversation. Yes. Thank you. And she was like, and I said thank you. And like, li- and I'm like, maybe that's what you got to do in your DMs. You'd be like, I'm not engaging this with you anymore. Thank you. I like, just, um, I just like, I kind of just like see it, and I'm just like, and I, I'm, re- I'm a really good gauge of character. Like, you know, I have really good instincts about people. So like, I've come to like kind of figure out like who's like, wh- like people are just coming in simply to say like thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed that it's men who like to debate me. I'm like, please leave me alone. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like please don't do this to me. A and woman I'm, with an opinion. Like, I, like, like, I don't want to see. It. I'm like, please just, just leave me alone. Um, but yeah, like that's usually I just kind of have to like I had to like learn how to feel that. Um, and I've gotten a lot better at it because I was definitely getting caught. And like, and I was just like, okay, like, oh, all right. Um, how do I respond to this question? And, pe- and another thing is that people do is like ask me for advice. Mm-hmm. So I think I've become um, known for being this like relationship expert. And I'm like, <laughs> where did that come from, y'all? Like, because I'm not, because <laughs> I'm not a dating expert. I'm not a relationship expert. A lot of things I say for like, particularly for me, um, comes from experience, and it also comes from just kind of um, applying common sense to situations like I'm just like you know and also just applying like history and stuff like that like I'm, I know I'm really good with analysis and stuff like that but like a lot of that stuff to me is just like kind of like 
um, applying just like, okay, this is what I, how I want to be taught, you know, treated. So therefore this is what it's going to be. And people just like, oh, you have all the answers. And they'll send me these messages like, well, I'm going through this. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. And the thing is like, honestly, um, I can't tell you anything because like legally, if you do this and it goes wrong, all you have to do is pull up the DM and now I'm being like summoned to court. Like, well, <laughs> you know what? I didn't even think about that. Yeah, no. Okay. So my father has always been like, my father, one of my father's biggest like, you know, teachings in our lives. He was like, you give suggestions, do not give advice. Mm. So if you suggest something, nobody can say that you told them to do it. But if you when you give advice, like it's Got just you. there's more of a like, oh well somebody told you to told me to do this. Mm-hmm. So he was like, You suggest we gotta make sure that when we get <laughs> advice. Because it's advising. Yeah. This. Yes. this is not Got you. So he was exactly. like, like ultimately, it's your choice. It's all your choice. But I, if you know, if it was, me, I suggest you know, because if, if you advise, you're giving, you're offering them, you're telling them how to do or what to do. But if you suggest, what, no, no, I mean, but I think context is important, and mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people don't realize how important context is. Mm-hmm. Even the smallest things, like I'm thinking about, like voting, like no one votes for primaries, right? But that's where a lot of the stuff that that affects us happens. Happens absolutely. And people like don't local elections. Yeah, but I'm just saying, no people be like, "Oh, it's a primary. It's not important. I only vote for presidential. I don't vote for anything else." But it's really the primary. Like you got you got to really understand who you're voting for. Yeah. Because the 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 state laws that are happening, you know what I mean? Like so, like in Maryland, you can what? You're really so loud. I'm sorry. I'm it's okay. I'm, I'm a loud person. It's all right. Like, you know, just just the different state laws that, that happen. So, like, in Maryland, you can have a gun. New York, if you have a gun, you might automatically get a jail sentence, yeah. you know? It's just different things. But growing up, you're not taught that. You're mm. not taught that this is why the, the primaries are important. Or these are why the local elections are important. Right. We only told, you know, you got to vote for the presidents because, yeah, that's the presidents. But it's really the, the local part... That, that's important because that's where the, the things happen. Are, yeah. That's where the stuff that really affects you, you know, the taxes and... The people that you can actually you actually have access to as a constituent are the local officials and they're the ones that, like, end up having to funnel these things up to the higher levels of government. Absolutely. And that's why it's so very crucial and important to do that. Um, and to that point, like, I feel as though, like, you... When you... I guess when it comes to, like, Debating people or giving advice or caring about stuff, you you do have to tread carefully. And I think it's also important that you have to put like a, a like a line in the sand, right? Like right. you have to, you know, like to shut it on and off because, you know, we're lovers quarrel, but we're also like Danny and TJ, these like whole people. And I mean, we very much, who we are here is who we are all the time, but it's also like, you know, that's, this isn't our whole life, our whole responsibility. Mm-hmm. So we have to kind of like create a cutoff or a moment where, okay, we can entertain us, we can go back and forth for a while, but like now it's like, no, I gotta go like make lunch for tomorrow. Or mm-hmm. I gotta, you know, I gotta resume regularly scheduled programming because, and like, particularly for us, like, you know, this is still very much more passion than profit. Yeah. So it's like, we gotta like do the things that pay the bills too. So you gotta like, sometimes you're like, I'm not engaging with you in this conversation anymore. Thank you. So I'm gonna like try. I'm trying to like channel that coffee shop girl when I'm thinking about like that was a perfect response. Like remove the arm and I'm not engaging this anymore. That was like absolutely perfect. So unbothered. She was just. It was very iconic. I stand. Um, But 
with that said, I'm going to toss the next question over to Mr. Byerson. Mr. Byerson, yes. Um, because you kind of you you skipped the question that we have written down, so uh, you definitely did. You didn't go there, but go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so we talked about the grapevine. What inspired Run the Tape? So I did not start Run the Tape. Um, I joined Run the Tape as a host. I was a guest originally, mm-hmm. and um, Run the Tape was started by Cozy, Comfy Cozy, mm-hmm. and he started it. Um, just wants to child to cozy. He just wants to start. He wants to kind of give a platform to music, music knowledge. He's like a hip hop like encyclopedia brown. It's like kind of insane. Mm-hmm. Um, just has all this like wealth of knowledge concerning music and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, I think, he just wanted an opportunity to like showcase and kind of like give honors to the culture that we are. That like kind of like runs so many different things in our like world. And um, he had a host, uh, a female host, and he had an, a, a male host, and um, it just didn't work out, you know. Mm-hmm. Happens. It happens, yeah. And so then I know that he had um, his another male host, uh, Max, who was working with him at the time, and then he asked me. Um, it was a great. He saw me on the grapevine. Um, we were talking about hip hop and like you know where it stood in society currently, and so he watched that episode and he introduced. He asked me to come on the show. That episode actually never came out, the episode that I was a guest on. Mm-hmm. But as I was leaving that day, he asked me if I ever thought about being on a music show. And I said, no, because I don't have enough music knowledge because my parents are so strict that I'm so behind in like what music is. Like There's like a gap of like music that like... <sighs> I don't know nothing. When about. it comes on, you just be like, you just kind of nod your head because you don't know the words. Like, so that's cool. That's high. <laughs> You're like, I get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, like you know, I, I'm sure I can figure out, you know, what era it comes in. And my parents didn't listen to that music. Right? My father, my parents were definitely um, Motown. My father, especially, like Motown. He also was like into like ABBA and stuff like that. And of I course, like ABBA. ABBA's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mama Mia is kind of like my shit. Yeah. Like, so like that's the you know, the Carpenters, the things things like that. Like my father was into, and then also like. My parents like super christian so like a lot of christian music um so i said no i was like because that that i feel like i'd be more of a liability than anything else Mm. um a couple months have passed and i randomly one day and i was like what makes me think that i can't if i don't know it i can't just go back and look for it Mm. you know and um why do I feel like I'm not I'm incapable of being able to like convey what I do know um and you know work on this so that weekend I was about to text him like hey um are you still looking for a female host for your show but he beat me to the punch because that same day he texted me and was like hey I know you say you didn't want like you don't think you could be on the show but yeah you know he was just like but I really think you'd be good at it so and then that he was like and so I was like yo I was just about to text you and um he so we set up a meeting and then that was May of 2018 and I've been riding with this ever since that's dope yeah that's so dope that's how it is and like I think that's a good point that you made. Like, there's nothing keeping us, especially in this day and age, from being like uninformed about something. Right. So it's like you. It's more so just be like, I don't know, but I'll go find out. Yeah. Like I was just like, oh, I can figure it out. And I've learned. And not only that, but I was just like, hip hop is something that I'm like, I am very passionate about making sure that hip hop is not um, Columbus. 
Mm. <laughs> um, and I was like, I want to make sure that we protect it in the way that we weren't able to protect jazz and blues, R&B, mm. country, rock and, roll. rock and roll. Like I want us to be able to protect it in that way that we weren't able to protect those other ones because we didn't have the capabilities or we didn't, or, you know, our ancestors tried, but they couldn't because of like, you know, funds and stuff like that. 100%. And I was like, we have the capability. It's a different world. Social media makes it a little easier to like hold on to things in a way that I don't think we were able to before. So, and then also I want the gatekeepers of hip hop to change because like, you know, when you, that's also a big, a big part of protecting it because we're letting people in that don't belong in. So who doesn't belong? White people. Mm. So you don't like Eminem? No, I don't listen to white rappers at all. all. Have you listened to them by accident? <laughs> um, I mean, I used to be a huge fan of Eminem. Really? Huge fan of Eminem. So what changed? Um, as I got older, I realized there's rappers who were just as good, just not getting the shine. Mm. Black rappers. That's fair. Um, that's fair. Yeah, that's how. And then, and then I think my turning point was when Action Bronson um, mm-hmm. disrespected um, Azalea Banks, and I was just like, I don't want to listen to somebody who is a lot like it's bad enough that we kind of allow black men to say whatever they want about black women. But here's this man. white, here's this that's white fair. man, and nobody's checking him. Oh no, nah, like right, I kind like, of feel that way about get that um, out of here. <laughs> oh, he's not even a thought <laughs> because he kind of was like, I'm not hip hop. Yeah, but a lot of his, the majority of his sales is hip hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he gets into the hip hop um, sphere, but he kind of try to be like, I'm not hip hop. Yeah, it's like you kind of want to like reap the benefits, but then you want to like distance yourself from it. I definitely hate when people, artists go through there and like as I, when I was younger I used to be like oh this is so cool like yeah. NSYNC and Black are on a song together and then I'm like fuck Justin Timberlake for, yeah, first of all listen I still have if they go on tour nipple, I am going nipple gate he he knew he what knew, was happening. He knew he was wrong. And then he, he just, you know, he just white he, he, he's white person. He just he just exactly, exactly. he definitely Homer Simpson I, right into them bushes like yeah, I had no like, idea. Yeah. I had no idea what this you, wardrobe that shit, that shit was all planned. And then when it was negative, he he just went to to his white side and was just like, I had no idea. All of a sudden, started growing out his hair and like gelling it down. You know, he has a song with SZA and right I was now, like, yeah, yeah and, and it's cute. It's a cute song for the Trolls movie. And I was I was looking at his hair. I was like, oh, he got the black hair cut again. So we're fitting to get you know a Timbaland album. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I can't even front. Like I definitely enjoy his music, but I think it's like those like him, like the Miley Cyrus is the people who kind of like. Shit, even Molly, yeah. They dabble in, like, hip-hop. She was fucking with hip-hop, and then she was just like, oh, it's beneath me type situation. But now she's kind of... But now she's back in hip-hop. Because you know what? I think all things considered, and obviously I don't know these people from a can't... From, you know... You don't got to know them to... Yeah, I don't know these people, To know that. It seems like Liam was kind of like, ma'am, I am white, white. I'm Australian, white. I don't know what the fuck you're doing over here, but I'm not with the shit. Not with her. And she was still trying to, like, dabble in whatever ethnic... You know appropriations cool. that she was trying to pull up, but I think, like as a, as I've gotten older, I've seen it for what it was and kind of been like, y'all, come on, like stop trying to like you know you use the culture to like try to like as your your turning point or you're like this is my uh, maturation into yeah. like I'm not I'm not the teeny bopper anymore. I'm a grown up because now I'm dabbling in hip hop or whatever. Like it's it's for adults only or it's or it's it's more like dangerous or whatever. Yeah, so X rated. You know what's so weird about that though? I and always I feel like that. when white people do black things, it's like 
the black people always accept it. It's like, it's okay. We're very inclusive. You know? Yeah, yeah all, all the time. You want to join a black fraternity? Sure. It's just like, it's not like the questions of like, why, why not join something that you're a part of? It's always like, oh, come because they give because if you were trying to be out here joining, uh, I don't know, Sigma Fu, whatever. Yeah, there we go. TK, or Pike yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You know. Oh, Pike. Yes. Yeah. Pike, yes. Pike was strong at Rutgers, but um, <laughs> yeah, they would give you hell if you yeah. were if you weren't white. All of a sudden, all, all the rules no longer apply, and the, yeah. the goalpost has moved. Yep. But then. Like, you know, there's, uh, I'm not going to say that, but, um, the, you know. You can say it, go ahead. Nah, because I was like, uh, I was like, I know a couple of white sigmas. I ain't gonna say That's that, cool. But, you know, no, because I'm just thinking like, but you know, they, they're allowed to, you know, they come in, they show a little shimmy all of a sudden, like. So, <laughs> my to- issue with that is always going to be, I remember there was a white Q who talked about. Oh, I've never seen that before. Yeah, he's white Q. He talked about his family did not show him any love. He went to college. Seen the cues, the cues showed him nothing but love, and that's why he wanted to become a Q. He became a Q because the what because the African Americans took him in mm-hmm. and treated him as such, when the white people weren't treating him as such. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to be okay personally with people who understand our culture and not and, and are not trying to capitalize off. Right, of it. they understand that they're guests. Absolutely, exactly. But now, if you're doing it, I mean. If you're doing it because it's going to be clout, it's going to make you better, or it, it, it gives you it, it gives you access to people that you would have never had access mm-hmm. to, then it's kind of like, what are you doing it for? You know, I I feel like anytime that you are a guest, you should still make sure that the people that you that 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 started it is is good. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. It, it it shouldn't be like I'm taking. It should be like how can I give? Yeah, there's house rules. Like you can't walk into somebody's house and now you own it. Yeah, you yeah. know. And I think that's what happens with a lot of. Uh... You can't get an invitation to the cookout and not come with a plate. Like you can't. You got to bring something to the you cookout. Yeah, and you gotta like you can if it's the paper towels, if it's like a nah, six pack. Nah, you gotta bring a meal or something. I'm, but paper I mean, towel. I don't want raisins in my potato salad, so I might, you know. And then not only that, but then you can't clear off the table and put all the type of food that you want. Exactly. You can't change the music. You can't bogart the facts. Know, no, the no, space. No, no. The space. That's a hundred percent. Like you can't come in knowing that it's a historically black fraternity sorority mm-hmm. and then be like well you're not inclusive enough or you know i can't hit that 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 stroll so we shouldn't stroll anymore like it shouldn't be like you're a guest just like you said you know i, I always have the saying like if you're whack before you join an organization you're, gonna you're be still gonna be whack after yeah like the organization doesn't make you a better person or at least it shouldn't mm-hmm. the, the idea behind it is be be you regardless. I, I, honestly, I mean, that was like one of the major reasons why I wanted to be an alpha, just because, I mean, besides being the first, for me of it course. was it was more so from what I've seen. I've seen the cool alphas. I've seen the nerdy alphas. I've seen regular alphas. I've seen trash alpha. Like it was a plethora of alphas. Like there was just no one stereotype. Everyone yeah. seen me was like, oh, you're gonna be a Q. Cause I'm big, and it was like you just gotta be cute and loud. Yes, big and loud. But I, I, I didn't, I didn't care for what the cues did. Even though I, my families are cues mm-hmm. and everything else, but 
I also think, you know, depending on what school you go to, what or what chapter is there. And the people who make Ch- that centric stuff really makes it makes a big difference. A hundred percent. Because you could be a great organization, but that chapter is trash. <laughs> Period. And that has nothing to do with anything other than the people. You only get one uh you only get one example of showing people who you are. Mm-hmm. No so second chances at first. No second chances. If you're trash, you're trash. And 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 again, you could be the greatest fraternity sorority, but if that chapter is trash, you're gonna be trash. Absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. that's that's my major thing. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, I don't, I, 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 yeah, I don't. I, <laughs> I'm just like not interested in white people being in my, being in spaces that black people have. They have their spaces. They excluded us 100%. already, so there's no reason for them to be. I, I feel like you can be. I feel like they can be. They can be included, but be included in, and understand that you're a guest. Yeah, like you said, you're a guest. Don't try and colonize. Don't try to come in and, and try to change stuff and be like, well, I know our cold, I know our colors are black and old gold, but I think it would be better if we put it on a red shirt. No, like that's not what we do. Stay in your lane. So, Don't yeah. try to sprinkle raisins in the potatoes. Yeah, because that's yeah, that's, that's what exactly it comes it. down to. Like, exactly don't it. just come. If and you're I, invited, I don't, I don't like potato salad. Enjoy so. the potato. I'm more of a macaroni salad fan. Person I don't myself. like any of those type of. I don't what? like. Foods. I love me my some macaroni salad. Love me salad. potato salad. Same. And I don't. I don't like you know. And it's funny because even within the diaspora, like we all make our like you know, um, make our potato salads a little different. So. Mm-hmm. You know, there's and nerd, rice, right? Yeah, and rice is different. Rice is like people be ready. That's a hill. People. I was actually at an event, like you oh, know, I was a it was a Nike's Battle of the Real Jalof, and <laughs> it was basically Jalof is fire. Yeah, and it was basically but Ghana versus, versus Nigeria. Nigeria. Yeah, but it's like who has the better rice? Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's some real shit. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to the people who created it. It's the Senegalese. They got the best ones. Really? Senegalese are the ones who created it. It's from the Wolof people in Senegal. Um, well off, gel off. <laughs> so, yeah, they are the ones who created it. Of course, they're gonna have the best. And that's crazy because you, I feel like I never hear them in the conversation anymore because it's always Nigeria versus Gambia. Yeah, Senegal, Gambia, um, Senegambia is what is they they make they make it because they're the ones who is from. But the Nigerians take. They Nigerians make it the most similar to them, uh, so and that's why I believe that they have the best one. I don't know what Ghanaians be doing with their <laughs> ones, so. Listen, I need like I I think um at some point I'm gonna need like a small plate of each in front of me, and then I can just like come. To, you know, I'm a science teacher, so I'm all about like you know experimentation and you know. They had that at the event. They had like the Ghanaian, and they gave you a plate. And I remember tasting the Ghanaian one first, and I was like, and I don't I don't eat rice anymore. Yeah, but like I got all. Yeah, I don't eat rice at all. But like you know, in situations like that, I like you know taste. And I remember tasting it like, this no, ain't this ain't it. Uh, no, this ain't it. That's so. It's so funny to me. But I think, it, but that's so cool. Like that. That like you're talking about. Like Nike is holding an event. Yeah, that kind of blew my mind. That, that like these are even yeah. like two things coming together. But, but I that's think, where we at. In, but that's because like in the world, black and African culture is. I mean, it's always been cool, but it's, it's like, you know, they always no. say, like, everybody want to be it black, has, so they want to be black. It's not always been cool. No, not always been cool. No, let me say this. Okay. It's Okay, let me, re- let me reframe my statement. It's always been appropriated, like, one way, shape, or form. People have always taken from black culture, African culture, and, you know, watered it down or whitewashed it and made it their own. But we know where it comes from, like, with Chachi's point about, like, rock and roll and, and hip hop or like you know like trying to keep 100%. that it keep it 
black, basically. It's, because we that's always been, that's always, we couldn't make the music, so they would steal our music. I mean, we made the music, but they would steal our they music. They would play our then, music. Yeah, because to make it, because like black people have always been hyper visible, but they haven't been able to. What's the word I'm looking for? Haven't been able to um, gain anything from that hyper visibility. So like, uh, particularly because like. Um, it's, it's funny because like black American culture in particular is like super visible to the world because America is like really is, is the most visible like you know mm-hmm. in the world so like we're the, we're the loud cousins yeah like everybody thinks that America is like the only place in the world so when you go to other places like whenever I go I have a friend um, in, in England and he says whenever he leaves England and he goes other places people automatically assume that he's black American he's like no I'm English mm-hmm. they're like no and then he starts talking about America he's like no I'm English I'm mm-hmm. British I'm you know from the UK and they're like no you're, you're black American because the assumption is, is that everybody black is because of the one culture that we see is that everybody's from black is, is um, American is American however the thing is is that Nobody like Black Americans don't gain anything from that, like you know, from that hyper visibility, and that's that goes that's in tandem with all of you know Black culture that they're super hyper visible, but there's no gain from it because it's hyper, it's visible, but then people take it and then they are the ones who like benefit off of it, whereas mm-hmm. we're punished for it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, because I, I mean, mean that's... our hairstyles, yeah. cornrows was like. Boxer braids. You are you are the worst person. And Kim K throwing cornrows, and now she's Bo Derek, and and the, it's the, the the flyest thing ever. And it's just like the how fa- the fact that they had to they ha- they are having to pass a law to protect people of from, color from right. from being able to wear their, to to wear their natural hairstyle at work at the workplace without being discriminated against or, or penalized or or, or fired. Yeah, but the point is like. The Crown Act and stuff like that are just other examples of that. Even like I'm look, so like I'm looking at Uchechi's nail. I'm looking at my nails, and like we cornered the market on like expressive right. nails, long nails. Like that's always been very much a black uh, cultural staple. Mm-hmm. But like in the '90s, I remember I think about every other movie where like it was you know all the like hood movies where like the girls would have long nails and, and you know it was a part of like this like you know almost like a, a trope or like a, a mm-hmm. minstrel type of vibe of like oh if you got I don't know what actually popping in my head but from like Friday what's her name uh, she was like you ain't got to lie crazy oh, oh yeah. Yeah. His, so, uh, yeah, yeah yeah so his like ex or whatever and like the, that that entire well whatever. That entire, like, her entire getup, which was, like, a black girl in California or a black girl in New York in the summer or whatever. But it was, like, the those things were always used to kind of, like, make black women or black people, whatever it might have been, feel, like, less than. Or that there was something wrong. It was unprofessional or, was, you know, not classy or anything like that. When, But then, of course, you slap it on the next person that has blonde hair. And now it's, like, innovative and you're, like... Breaking barriers. All of a sudden, you're sexy. All of a sudden, it's showing the most attractive up thing like, ever. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's a New York Fashion Week, and you're, you know, we've been fashion. doing this for years. Like, I always say that, like, my um, when I get my nails done, it's like an ode to the girls I saw growing up in Newark. You mm-hmm. know that, like, because like a lot of our fashion comes from the girls in the hood. Exactly. You know, and I always say that my nails are in gratitude to them for showing me something else. Yeah. You know? like, even like dyeing their hair, like you know. Like, we always had, like, people always had, like, you know, 
now granted, I feel like my upbringing in New York, it was definitely like that like burgundy magenta red was definitely like. Oh, I had that. Yeah. It was all the thing, but like dyeing your hair or like highlighting your hair Mm -hmm. was like a color that wasn't like honey blonde or something like that was absolutely like a black girl thing. And then, but then it was like, oh no, you can't do that. Like, you know, and I mean, I even remember. So what was what was interesting interesting to me before we get to our next question it was so this job I I just uh, uh, um, got when I went to the interview it was the first time in my entire adult life that I went to an interview with my hair in my natural state like I had like a twist out it was a bomb twist out don't get me wrong it was really cute but it was I remember shout out to you thank you baby <laughs> um, I remember like when I first interviewed to be a teacher when I interviewed for T R Price for corporate. America, like, one of the things on my to-do list was, like, oh, I got to get my hair straightened. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time. And now, granted, it was it's kind of, like, internal or whatever. But it still is, like, it was the first time I've interviewed in six years. And I was, like, no. Like, I'm going to just wear my hair. It's going to be nice. It's going to be neat. It's going to be done. But I'm not straightening it. Because why should I have to straighten it to appear, give the appearance of more professional? So, it you know. It, but, you got the job. Come on. <laughs> thank my you. Girl. Exactly. But, yeah. um. <laughs> So, like, just those things are just something that I feel like we we don't talk about enough, but that we all see is there. Um, and I think it actually brings it to another good question, too, is, like, we've also seen in recent times a, at least in, I think, in our opinion, um, a incre- increase in, like, the embracing of, like, African culture. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a time where probably when we were all younger... We're like being African, people got made fun of, or it was like said in a derogatory way, or it was like an insult. 100%. And, you know, and how, so my question being that you are Nigerian, your family, that, you know, in your family, your culture is from Nigeria, how do you feel about that shift towards like the embracing of African cultures in this day and age compared to like when you were younger? Because I know I've talked to some people, I've heard some people say like it's cool, but damn, I wish it was around when I was a kid because. Or whatever, but I wanted to know what your take was. Good question. Thank you. I try. Um, <laughs> it is a good question. Um, I just hope it's not a trend. Mm. That's my main concern. I hope that Fair. this is a real. Um, it's a genuine like interest. It's not just a trend because the world is becoming more global, uh-huh. and that it'll be forgotten once you know something else becomes big. Or mm-hmm. you know, I just hope that we're all like. I I, I would hope that it's just that the world is getting smaller. Really? <laughs> this is not drink champs, nigga. Like, sorry. cause you would have had a whole. I'm sorry, Chachi. Cause let's talk about how he would have had a whole. Fucking conniption. I'm growing. If I don't gaslight me. <laughs> what? I don't. <laughs> Part one, you know. I I I'm, I get it. I get it. Pick it up. Put your foot down. No apologies for interrupting. No, it's all good. Go I on. just um I I like that's my biggest thing. Of course, you know I experience and I, I even now I've experienced xenophobia as an adult. I've experienced it throughout throughout. You know I can't hide that I'm Ebo. You know, um, my name gives me away immediately. Mm-hmm. So like in a lot I've had experiences where people hear my name and they kinda step back and they're like, Oh, um, okay, well, um, so you're American? And I'm like, Yes mm-hmm. <laughs> You know? Um, or I've been told that I don't have a right to call myself American. You know, this is different things. Wow. Um I just hope that with the world becoming smaller 
I'd like to think that the diaspora is becoming more united. So that's why we all have like these interests. Like it's not just African culture, but Caribbean culture. A lot of mm-hmm. us are going to carnival, you know, um, and I hope that we can respect the various, you know, and then, you know, our people are becoming more involved in American, you know, black American culture and learning the history, you know, becoming more involved and learning the history and stuff like that. I'm hoping that there is um, that just the respect grows for the different cultures that are within the diaspora that create our our history. Also, I also want us to like kind of be aware of like how culture changes mm-hmm. and how tradition changes because like while I'm 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 Igbo American, so I don't really call myself I, I say that I'm Nigerian for simplicity's sake, but yeah. like I don't really identify as Nigerian. I identify as Igbo. Okay. Um and. So while I'm I'm Igbo, I'm American. So there's a whole different culture that I'm creating. You know, mm-hmm. people like you know, first generations and second generations are creating completely different from our parents, completely different from Nigerians. You know, Igbos in Nigeria or different from Igbos in like the UK. We're completely mm-hmm. different experience, um, and um, so it's a and that's what many people here are exposed to so it's just kind of like learning that there's different everybody has like different view like you know different experiences and stuff like that like the same way that a black person living in detroit doesn't have the same um history as somebody living in new york Mm -hmm. and i'm hoping that that is like you know we kind of be aware of that more and more as like you know the diaspora seems to become interconnected so i would love i would have loved to um I would have loved for, you know, when I was younger to not have to worry about, like, my name being made fun of and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But um, as an adult, I just want us to be more cognizant of the discriminations that we have for each other, like, you know, concerning each other. And I kind of want us to work on that. And then I just wanted to make sure that we're not so, like, that in working on that, that this is a... Um, a permanent thing, not just a, a trend. So I don't think it's going to be a trend. I hope not. I don't. I would. I you know. I'm optimistic that it's not. Honestly, I but, I, I feel like the African culture. It's always been rich, mm-hmm. but now people get to see how rich it truly is. You know, we had the Black Panther movie. Did amazing. I thought it was a terrible movie. Did you? I thought that was like some of the best cinematography I've saw from Marvel. And like, no, definitely cinema- cinematography was great. I don't think it was a great story. Oh, yeah, like the act. Well, not the acting. No, 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 no. The acting was good. What the they showed line. was good. I just don't think it was as good as everyone made it to be. Like, it's not. Sorry. <laughs> it's definitely a top. I would say it's a top five Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like as great as it was. But I do love the fact that black people was like, fuck this. We are supporting that. Yeah. To me, it's it's always weird. And that's why I, I, with the question, I, I was glad it didn't put it in there. Like, I remember being younger and it was like, you know, people would make the jokes like African booty scratchers and stuff like that. Real negative stuff. But now we're in a time where like Afro beats is amazing. Yeah, that actually blows my mind that Afrobeats has gotten so big. Because I remember it, talking to DJs when I was in college. Like, mm-hmm. you should play, you know, Two-Face. You should play Style Plus. And, and they, they probably like, looked at you crazy. Yeah, because I remember... I don't know if you could... Do you guys remember DJ Wala? 
Mm. I don't know if you... He was a big, big... DJ Wallow was like a big DJ up here in New York and Jersey. He comes from Newark, but he was like really big in like the Jersey party scene. And then he started getting on radio and stuff like that. Not quite sure where he's at now, but like... <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I remember, you know... This is back when Facebook Messenger just became a thing. I remember mm-hmm. messaging him and talking to him and being like, you should play Afrobeats. And he was just like, you know, I want to, but I don't know how the party is going to like respond to it. And I was just like, well, somebody had to start playing reggae and soca at these parties. And now it's True. like a whole set. So mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe you could be the first. And he wasn't trying to hear it. And it's crazy how like 10 years later, like Afrobeats is it's like, it's it. Mm-hmm. Like, Burner Boy is like really legitimately a, um, a, a global a star. Yeah, like, it amazes me. But but all of them are, and and just the idea, the fact that Akon is about to have his own city is, like, mind-blowing. It just, yeah, it it really does, like... But, (laughs) for me, it's, like, dope. Because it's, like, he's doing it in his his country, he's doing it for his people, Mm -hmm. and it's, like, it just shows how dope black people are. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, growing yeah. up, I've always heard the stories like Africans don't like African Americans. Yeah, and I can I can picture it because it's like being black is like it has negative connotations to it. No matter where you're at, you go to Dominican Republic, they don't like Haitians because they're dark skin. Yeah, like being black is is negative throughout the world. So like when we're doing positive things and we're changing the culture. I mean, we've always done it, but the fact that we could do it on a on a global s- scale is amazing. But it's just like like I was saying earlier, like I wish I had more culture. I wish I knew where my people came from. I wish I can tell you like, oh, nah, we got a house back there and we're we're there. Like this is where our family's at. So I, I always think it's dope that y'all have that. But I also think it's weird because it's also like five I would say five years ago, people people wouldn't be claiming being African or or going to Africa to just visit. Yeah, like that wasn't like a thing. Africa was like, um, I was definitely Jamaican for like half my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's like it's you're, not the, you're not the first friend. I've had a friend of like a friend of mine say that too. Once I like growing up, she would be like, "Yeah, I'm just Jamaican, like whatever, you know." Yeah, because no. it's like hard to explain. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, oh, oh, definitely. But I think it's dope that now we're in a in a space where it's like acceptable yeah no it's definitely um i'm gonna correct you you do have american black americans have and i and i hear this often black americans say that they don't have a lot of culture and i'm like what do you call this country you know and it's just like american culture is black culture it's without it um america doesn't have basically has like all of like nothing I do agree with that, but I feel like it's different when you know your father can go back home and mm-hmm. he knows where where he grew up. He knows where his family. We don't. I feel like for, for African Americans who live in America, unless they unless their family really knows it, we don't know. So yeah, my family was grew up in um, South Carolina, but where like. Luckily, I mean, my family, we do have like land. We do have our stuff. But for a lot of African-Americans, we don't we don't know where we're from. We don't have that sense of home. And that may not be what everyone cares about. But for me, I, I just 
I'm big on history. Mm-hmm. I think I think being being able to know where you're from, where your family come from, the, the stories, like to me, that's the most important thing. Like I love to hear stories. I love to hear your great grandfather did this, your great grandmother did this, that your uncle did that. So for me, I mean, I, I can see both sides, but that's I nice. just feel like being able to know. So like when I speak to like my African neos or profites, and they could be like, yeah, my family, we go here, like. I can take you to my hometown and I can show you where, where I grew grew up and this is where everything is at. Like, they know, they have a sense of, of home. The crazy, the funny thing is, is that if you were to, if I was, someone was to tell me, ask me like, oh, um, what's home? I would immediately, the first thing I would say is Newark, hmm. you know, because I was born and raised there. Nigeria is, is ancestral lands. Like, it's just like, you know... Um, I definitely, when I, you know, transition to the next, you know, chapter, I would love to, like, you know, when I transition to the next the next life, I would want my body to be, uh, no, actually, uh, I plan on being cremated, but, like, you know, I would mm. want my um, ashes to be, to be you know, some of it. Um, I think funerals are a waste of money, so there's no point in, like, <laughs> putting the money for, like, to get a plot of land, all that stuff. Just, you know, send me back to the earth um, mm-hmm. as, like, you know, ashes. And I would love for, like, half the ashes to go over there and then half oh, the man. ashes to be here because Dope. I am deaf, a child of two worlds. Um, spirit and all of that is definitely, up, you know, tied to the, the lands there, but then, like, I'm rooted here. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know... When people talk about home, I'm like, Newark is home, 264 Lehigh Avenue, you mm-hmm. know, where I, like, my my clearest memories, that's that's home. That's cool. Um, so, like, you know, I definitely hear what you're saying, but, like, yeah, especially as a child, like, that was born within the diaspora, like, it, home is so different from what, like, yeah. and I know my parents would be like, oh, this isn't your home, but I'm like, this is, this is what I know. Like, if I could... is what, what you grew up to. Yeah, if I could combine the, all the time I've spent in Nigeria, it doesn't even equate to a year. It probably just makes a year of, like, you know, my life. Whereas, like, I've spent 31 years, you know, in this area, you know, the New York, New York. It's like me going to LA and then people be like, oh, where are you from? Or, you know, spending 40 years in LA and then being like, nah, I'm from New York. <laughs> I guess for me, it's kind of like, so my best friend is Dominican. Yeah. Every summer he went to Dominican Republic. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of Nigerians. It's just, it, it's just to be able to have that aspect. I think if every summer my family took me to South Carolina mm-hmm. and I got to see that aspect, I think I would have a, a different idea behind yeah. but again growing up and being more mature and just kind of seeing things I, I just think I just think it's dope to be able to know like yo we here mm-hmm. we have we have land here if you come home it's not gonna be like oh she's a stranger it's like she you have a you, you have a house here yeah. you, you have family here you will be treated as such because you're here I, I mean, it's definitely my goal. Uh, we we got to go to Africa. Yes, that's definitely it's on. Yeah, my, definitely. Um, it's on my my bucket list I, now. Although I know you're you're going with your sister. Whatever. Where y'all going? South Africa. We said that we that's that's possibly the plan. Right, yeah. so We're so wherever y'all go, I want to go somewhere different. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever, nigga. Fuck out of so, here. So. Um, West Africa's popping. South Africa's cool. Yeah. Um, we just we haven't decided right, so where. West Africa. We haven't decided where exactly yet, but. We just, my sister and I told us, told each other that 
after everything we went through with like when our dad got sick and it passed away that like it it thankfully brought us closer together because death can ab- absolutely like tear 100%. siblings absolutely. and families apart so like she and i were always like kind of like of the same mind and had to spend a lot of car rides going from Baltimore to New York, like to, you know, for every time something happened those, mm-hmm. in that like four month span. So, what we said was that we were going to not reward ourselves, but like we've never taken a trip where it was just she and I. Mm-hmm. I also think so, for like, me, sorry, go ahead. Um, Finish. That we were going to. Thank you. Could you do that a lot? Nah. Um, but <laughs> that we were just. Lady. <laughs> we were going to do that because. We realized, and not that we didn't know already, but we just knew that we, like, through, if in the worst of times, we really enjoyed each other's company. Yeah. And we went through, like, the tears and the talking and the strategizing and the planning and the frustrations and the anger on those, like, long-ass rides. So we were like, okay, we're going to, like, go somewhere that we've never been before and do something we've never done before. And so we agreed on, like, Africa, wherever, somewhere in Africa, we're going to go and have, like, this, like, dope-ass sister trip. So... And, I, and I'm here for it. I just think it's dope to be able to have those experiences. Especially because I feel like a lot of times they'd be like, oh, you don't want to go to Africa, you'll get AIDS. Or it's so negative of Africa. But from what I've heard, it's like the most beautiful place. It's like relaxing. It's, 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 it's uh, everything that you can get. I don't know about relaxing, but I will say this. <laughs> but it depends I, you know, on where you are. Yeah, exactly. Because um, um, like, you could be in Newark or you could be or. Or Harlem, where there's like city and like I mean, that. I, I mean, or I you could be that. someplace like, you know, if you're on the beach somewhere else in the country, like it's just different depending where you are. Because I'm like, when sometimes it, it feels more like work, but I will say, whenever I touch down in Nigeria, it's like, oh, like, like I said, it is like, while I say that Newark is home, there is this feeling of like returning, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and I think a lot of people say that even um, um, people that went back this, uh, and it's funny because we always say we, people that went back, <laughs> they've never, they may have never gone ever, but this mm-hmm. is their first time going. But um, people that went during um, for Afrochella this past Ghana for year of the return, and how many people said like, yo, it was just like return, it was like returning home. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a, that's so crazy to me, you know, just like it's it's incredible, and it's just insane how we all like feel that pull. You know, some people don't, but like people, when they do go, they said they always felt like this, like, oh, like I'm back, you know, and that's just like an amazing feeling to have when you go somewhere to be like, you know, you belong there. So definitely. Um, so I'm going to start winding down. <laughs> and so the oh one of the last one of the first of the last two questions for you is. So far in 31 years, right? What have been some of your greatest successes or moments? I should say moments because a moment doesn't have to always equate to a success. Um, And some of your biggest challenges since like you've made this career shift because there's always trials and tribulations and peaks and valleys when it comes to like making a career and a life for yourself. So if you had to kind of reflect on it, what have been some of those greatest moments as well as some of those like greatest challenges? Um, I would say the greatest, one of the greatest things that's happened has been creating Inside the Pink, which was a podcast I created about like women and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
the biggest challenge has been being on hiatus like having to put it on hiatus mm-hmm. um, for the past almost a year now I should, I'm praying that it comes back before the summer because that's one of my biggest goals to work towards that but um that like inside the pink has been this brainchild for mine of mine for a long time and I was really afraid to do it um practically by myself and so you know I got and then I spoke to Aisha and she was on to she was interested in it and so we kind of like birthed this like baby together um and that just like really let me know that I was capable of being a content creator um, and I didn't have to rely on, you know, as much as I love the grapevine, as much as I love Run the Tape, they, they're not, I contribute greatly to those, but they're not like mine. Yours. I mean, like I, I have, Run the Tape particularly, I have like much more ownership regarding that because, you know, Cozy and I are partners, but at the same time, that was his baby, yeah. you know? So like, you know, and I kind of, that mindful of that, um, we've done a lot of work together but like inside the pink was just like my creation and it's just like i have such big dreams for it and it sucks that i had to go we had to go on hiatus but you know things happen um so um i think that would be right now that would be it another biggest probably the other biggest challenge for me is um trying to not get so much in my head so that i can write more um I am, I'm one of those people who want things to be so perfect that I don't do it. Um, mm. <laughs> so. I feel like that's like a right That's a Gemini issue. thing, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. No, I really do. Uh, so my brother's Gemini. Oh, so he, Anthony is like that. He likes to like, he likes movies, all the other stuff. He DJs, but everything he's doing is like, he wants to perfect it first. Before he like comes out with it. And yeah. I'm like, yo, just do it. Just do it. And then you'll grow from it. But Anthony's like, nah, I got to perfect this shit so, so important that then I can come out with it. And I'm like, yo, you're wasting time. Just do it. Yeah, but I'll sit there. I'll be like, nope, got to make this perfect. Got to make this perfect. Yeah. Have to make this look good. And then a year will go by and another year will go by. And I'm just like, nope. Everybody's like, just do it. And I'm like, how do you, how? Yeah. How? And I think it's hard to, when you're like a creative, I think especially like a writer too, because my, so one of my, my last sister, like one of my, who's also one of my best friends, is a writer. And um, and she's put out, like, a, a trilogy of books of, like, young adult fiction, but black uh, black characters. And then another book about, like, um, when, like, it's called Pushing 30. And, but I always, like, when I talk to her, I look at her tweets and stuff like that. It's, like, the fight to get to the end of the finish line of, like, finishing, and she, like, particularly writes fiction. Um is always like so interesting to me because she's like, I wrote, you know, I don't know, 10,000 words today or 15,000 words today, but then I deleted 6,000 of them or something. Like, I don't, and I'm exaggerating because, but just like that, like that back and forth and then edit and then rewrite and then, and like, I just, and so now I'm like of a mind of like this opinion that like writers are so much, like they live so much in their head and it's hard to like get, get it out, out of it yeah. because you want your word, you know, and you know, words absolutely do mean things Mm -hmm. and especially when you're conveying your opinion or your story or your truth or whatever it is you want it to make you want to make sure that it's received in the best way possible so that's surprisingly unsurprising like i get i'm not not at all especially with uh creators who are especially like writers yeah i started a short story uh i'll say last week i got the idea a couple like two weeks ago and i was like oh, i want to write i need to this has to be written down so i get the story idea and i'm starting i'm like how do i start this because i have an issue with beginnings mm-hmm. and um i was like all right i'm gonna this so i 
started it, wrote it down, um, started typing it out. The next day I go take a shower and I'm like, oh, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> so now I have a blank page. <laughs> but I have this idea in my head and it's just like it's coming to life in my head, but it's just like, you know, translating in a way that people see what's in my head on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and not and I also have like a habit of being like very um I started off as like writing poetry, so a lot of my writing flows like um, poetic prose, mm-hmm. and it's that's not always the best thing for a story mm-hmm. because people get very lost, like it can get very wordy. So, I, it, it was just like, how do I tell this? How do I tell this without um, <laughs> without people being like, I, I don't You're know, like, oh, she getting? What at? is she going with this? So it's just like I remember like gotten out the shower and just like hitting delete, 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 and I'm looking at I've been looking at a blank page for like a week now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have faith that you will it will come together for you. It's just sometimes you gotta you know start over, yeah, and, and run it back a little bit. Like, all right, let me you know backspace is a button for a reason. Absolutely, you know? yeah, absolutely in life and on. The MacBook, absolutely. Exactly. So we have two more questions. I thought we had one more question. We have two. Okay, excuse me. Because the first question that we didn't ask, that we always supposed to ask our guests, you are, we didn't I, ask. We're going to end it with that. We didn't, yes, we didn't ask it both we're times. Gonna, we're going to end it with that. <laughs> we're going to end with that question, which is usually our icebreaker question. Okay. Yeah, so where do you want Uchechi to be in the next few years? In the next few years? Personally and or professionally. And then you can do the final question. I got you. Beautiful. Um, Hold on. What's the word I'm supposed to say? (laughs) Um, Where do I want to see? Where do I see myself in the next few years? I definitely would have finished the book. Mm -hmm. I'm praying I would have finished the book. Um, I would hope that I am... No, I don't hope. I know that I am... um, Working for a network to to actually change, um, I would love what I plan. I want to do. I would hope that I'm working for a network to make diversity and inclusion an actual thing, and not just a checklist for the company. I mm-hmm. want to ensure that they are actually creating content, hiring people to actually. You know, you know, to have a diversity of thought as opposed to just like, you know, checking, having the tokens and stuff like that. So that's where I want to be. I want to be doing that type of work um, in the next couple of years. I would have definitely um, have should see a book that's on its way to publishing. Yes. Um, Maybe listen, we got to talk about that. We got to push that. Manifest it now. No, like that has to happen um, because I haven't seen it for years that I've wanted to write a book of short stories and I've always wanted to write a book about my dating experiences. Because I say that I live not, I don't like I live kind of like a very like run of the mill life. But like, you know, there's been moments where I'm like, what kind of life is this? Like, girl, what am I? How like, I what here? is? Because I've had like in my twenties, I've had like very interesting dating stories, and I was and people always tell me that I have a great way of telling it, so I'd love to put it in the book just to let um, other people know that um, you're not alone. It's not like it's dating is trash for everybody. Mm. <laughs> so you know, it's perfect. You know, don't feel like you know you're getting the short end of the stick. You know, it, it just it's just a crappy. It's just a crappy space. Um, so I'd love to have, you know, that definitely has to happen. Um, 
what else? By then, I should have had like several appearances on CNN. Yes. Um, talk, yes. Talk that into. Yeah, by then I should definitely in the next like five years definitely should have like a couple of appearances on yes, CNN. Yes, panelists. Yeah, absolutely. Danny had a a stint on CNN. No, I did not. <laughs> it, it was with it was Anderson C- Cooper. It, it was C-SPAN with so, Anderson Cooper. This is our age. Danny sent me the article and she asked a question and Anderson Cooper was just like, that was an amazing question. He did. Because he came to, he visited my high school. I asked the question. He was impressed. He was like, you're going to take my job one day. And I for a little while I thought yeah, I was Danny. a journalist. But I mean, I am interviewing people, right? So I mean, I do ask good questions. I like to think from time to time. You do. I agree. I'm just saying. Yeah. But yeah. I, that's the day I became an Anderson Cooper fan. <laughs> So, no, I mean, he's definitely great. I, I like him. Great. Yeah, I watched. I watched him uh, light up. What's his name? Oh, I'm going to pronounce mispronounce his last name. The one that Trump just pardoned. Uh, oh, he was firing him. He was firing. Yeah, he up. was like, he was like, I wouldn't listen to you about prison reform. He was like, because he was like, you couldn't help people when you were, and you had the chance oh, to help people. The governor, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And he called bullshit. He was like, he was like, what you saying? He was like, it's bullshit. Like literally. And I was like, okay. Um, but now. Final question. Final question, mm. which normally is our icebreaker, but now we're going to use it to wrap it up. Because um, you were slacking. What? But, <laughs> but I'm the shady lady. What I learned from you. are the wisest or and or, and or there you go. kindest you. words that someone has ever told you? Mm. Oh, uh, somebody asked me this once before. You only mean it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. And I think it was... I think the kindest words were that I, I don't think, I'm not sure if I remember it, but I, I think it was, I hope that, um, I think it was, I hope that you see what I see when I see you in the mirror every day. Mm. That's fire. Yeah. I think that's. I may have to steal that. Yeah. I think it was like, I hope that. that. I hope you see what I see when I see you. It's not gonna hit the waves because I don't know where that came from. So and yeah, it was just like I hope that you see, you know, I hope that when you look in the mirror that you see what I see, you know, every day. And that was, and that just like that's always stuck with me because sometimes you don't feel like you're that great, or you know, you don't feel like you're like why do even people want to hear what I want to like hear like why do people are interested in what I have to say or whatever like that. And um, it's just a reminder that you know you have something to offer to the world. So definitely. Well, I think it's fitting. Because we had you on for a part two. <laughs> for our first part two. So I think it's fitting. Mm-hmm. What do you say, Danny? I think so, too. You're a buckethead. Shut up. See, the way we're asking you to come back is the way CNN about to ask you to come Listen, back. Listen. Ha- In the next you know, couple years, three to five years, they're going to have to. They're going to be like, we need, um, <laughs> go get, get, get your chachi on the line. See if she's here. We need to talk about this. Like, um, yeah, because the grapevine is going to get so big, they're going to have no choice but to look to us for because we're going to change culture. We, we are already changing culture. So. I, oh, no, no oh, grapevine, for me, it's, it's definitely... Uh, you know what I appreciate about it the most is that you have people who have like a lot of followers, mm-hmm. but you also have people who don't have a lot of followers. Mm-hmm. And I pay attention to that because for, for me, it it says like... As long as you can back up what you want to say, you have an opportunity. Yeah. And, and and for me, that's important. It gives you the opportunity that you can have a million followers or you can have no followers. 
But if you have something that we want to talk about, you have an opportunity. And I think that's important for people to see. Because a lot of stuff that we see out there is like, you got to have a certain amount of followers to to have an opportunity to talk. And it's like, no, I may not, I may be a private person, but that doesn't mean that my opinion doesn't matter. And I, I think that's... I have salient points I think, to make. No, yeah, but I, I think the grapevine does a, does a damn good job of that. Like, the fact that you may have a, a Mouse Jones who's popping. And he wasn't when he first... I mean, that's, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Mouse, was, just, Mouse will tell you, he was sleeping on people's couches when yeah, he first got no. on that show. <laughs> but, then, but, but then you... I, I, I've had people, when, when I've seen their name come up, and I'm like, let me check the Instagram. 1,400 followers. Like, oh, shit. Like, like the me. fact, the fact that the grapevine allows for anybody, mm-hmm. I would say anybody who who can hold the point, you have an opportunity. Absolutely. To me, it's fair game. Mm-hmm. I don't like the stuff when it's like we only want people who have followers or whatever. Like the fact that you're giving opportunities to someone who may not have the followers, but you have a great point. You have a you have a way to back up what you want to say. To me, you have my support. And that's what makes the grapevine so special because it's a mix. Ashley will even tell you that when she first started the show, that she was reaching out to different types of people, different influencers and stuff like that. And the way I was giving her the time of day. And she was just like, okay, I'm looking at this the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Let me talk to, let me bring on people I have access to because they have great, I was mm-hmm. like, I talked to them anyway about this stuff. Why not put them on the show? Mm-hmm. And that's essentially how the show became what it is because it's like literally everybody from all walks of life giving, like, you know, talking about how, different things. Because that's, that's, how how conver- that's how conversations happen. Exactly. That's how real life happens, you know? I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Like even for us, like as, as podcasters, I'm gonna interview anyone who has an interesting story. It has nothing to do with how many followers you have at all. Because sometimes the followers don't like. I mean, follows me nothing. Um, a good example is I think her name is like, um, oh god, the director for Candyman, Nia DaCosta. I think mm-hmm. That's her name. She has like only two thousand followers on Twitter. Like I don't think she has that many on Instagram either. But she's a director of Candyman, and she's done in some incredible work, you yeah. know, as a writer and stuff like that. And people don't really know. I mean, so, about to blow it, up. I mean now she's about to blow up. But like, but you know, for me, that that gives you the hope. Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, we live in a world where it's like, what can you do for me? Mm-hmm. So when you see people get an opportunity that has nothing to do with what you can do for me, like. I believe that you have a great story, so I'm going to give you a chance because you have a great story. I appreciate that more than anything because at the end of the day, I'm a regular person. Dave mm-hmm. is a regular person. We're all regular people. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, it shouldn't have to be... I feel like my wife has a great... My wife can talk about a lot of things. <laughs> so it shouldn't have to be like, oh, you have to have a certain amount of followers to be able to have an opportunity to have an opinion. like Because talent... Yeah, talent, yeah. talent is not is is not is not reflected. A hundred percent. It's yeah. all very superficial. So for me, it is. I, I it also doesn't. It. it also doesn't. I mean, like some people do make money. Of course, social media has of course made it's money. Been, you can but people monetize always, everything. Like you know, of course, my numbers have like grown in the past, mm. in like the last year or so, especially. But like people are like, oh, I see you. Like your numbers are growing. I was just like, when the numbers translate to coins, exactly. <laughs> when there's a dollar amount attached to them, yeah, then I'll be, because I'll then I'll be pressed. Like, uh, that shit don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I think that is still an excellent place to kind of wrap things up. Wrap it up, babe. Uchechi, thank you for being our first 
two part episode. Thank, thank you for back. having me twice. Like that's like an amazing honor. So oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you for being on. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> we are definitely the little podcast that could. Exactly. We just be chugging along and trying to have like meaningful, dope conversations with meaningful, dope people. And you have definitely done that for us twice now. Um, and folks, this has been yet another episode of Lovers Quarrel. You know where to find us on Instagram at Lovers Quarrel Show, uh. on Twitter at Lovers Quarrel Seven. What? Email us at Lovers Quarrel Show at gmail.com. Um, and for the second time, um, Ochechi, if you want to let people know where they can find you, um, you can find me <laughs> at Words by Ochechi on all social media. So that's Words by, and that's U C H E C H I. You can find me. Um, on Run the Tape or The Grapevine. Um, yeah. You just Google her. And, and as it. always, we will make sure to have that in the show notes. So y'all will be able to find her, follow her, follow Grapevine, listen to Run the Tape. And yeah. So as always, this has been another episode of Lover's Quarrel. Talk that shit, Danny. I am your girl, Danny. And I'm your guy, TJ. And you know that we fuss. We fight. But we, we love. love. Bye. Bye. Oh, bucket head ass. It stops, sir. <laughs> I got you, love.